0: Welcome to El Fumar Takes. This is our 165th take, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Eulis, Texas. I'm your host, Barry DiPlissi, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show, a reunion of sorts. Actually, not sorts at all. A reunion, indeed. This is going to be a fantastic show. I'm so excited to have these gentlemen back. We've got some great new perspectives on a show that came together on a whim last year. So before we get to formal introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate's barn smokers are back starting in August of 2021. Yes, the barn smokers are back and they'll resume their normal programming schedule after a year's hiatus due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The company will host three barn smokers beginning with the Connecticut barn smoker on August 14th and 15th in the beautiful beautiful Connecticut River Valley. The Kentucky Barn Smoker will be up next in Hopkinsville, Kentucky on October 9th. And finally, the Florida Barn Smoker will take place on November 13th through the 14th in Claremont, Florida. So you can check out barnsmoker.com. Yes, that's barnsmoker.com. Tickets are up for sale right now get your tickets today it's going to be a fantastic fantastic event www.barnsmoker.com and get your ticket today and tonight's show is also sponsored by oveja negra brands four unique companies who share a passion to provide innovative cigars for the next generation of cigar enthusiasts Black Label tra- Trading Company, Blackwork Studio, Dissident, and Emilio are combining premium tobacco with an artisanal touch. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock and visit OvejaNegraCigars.com to learn more. And welcome, everyone. This is our 165th take. So without further ado, sponsored by United Cigars, tonight's guests. Smoke one today. Start living united. We're going to kick things off with Dan Thompson of McAuliffe
1: Cigars. Dan, how are we doing tonight? Eric, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, beautiful down here in Texas and uh, delighted to be here with everybody.
0: See, what a year of COVID has done has allowed me to start competing with you on the lovely, lovely flowing locks that you have. So you've got <laughs> it going back here. I got them going.
1: I'll tell you what they a year of COVID did for me. <laughs> it's uh, put me in bifocals. Oh, so my goodness. I'm, I'm trying to learn how to stumble through this where your plate looks big in front of you and everything else looks a little smaller out in front of you. I've, I've always,
0: my, my, uh, one of my grandparents had bifocals and my mother did too. And I could never, I mean, first of all, I, I anytime I put glasses on their prescription, I just start going crazy. Like just, it just turns, but I could never understand how you could do that. How one could, I guess it's something you get used to, right? When you
1: can't read anything because it's too small, you're delighted to have them. And the the funny thing is, the ambassadors coached me through the process. They gave me all these great ideas, and I'm thankful for what they had to say. So I can see you now.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I do I do like the frames though. They're 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 pretty good. They're <laughs> they're I, I really think they're really nice. Our our next guest actually has some really awesome frames too. He's not supporting them tonight, but that would be uh, Benjamin Holt of Dissident Cigars. Ben, how are we doing tonight?
2: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. But yeah, you're right. I'm supposed to be wearing glasses, and I'm not.
0: <laughs> right now. it's okay you didn't you didn't want to see me that's that's perfectly fine that's okay. no but i mean
2: i usually need just to wear them when i'm driving or if i'm out you know and about um if i have anything close to my face then i'm good so i mean do you do you do you
0: have just a do you have several pairs of glasses i feel like i've seen you in a lot of different fl- frames
2: no i just have one pair of black one because it's my right eye that uh is jacked up my left eye is perfect 2020 but it's my right eye that's you know oh interesting kinda, yeah okay so that's, you know, I only wear them, like I said, when I'm driving or out and about, you know, doing stuff like that.
0: So you have a subs- so you have a prescription in on one frame and then the other one's just glass. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. OK, cool. Well, it's, it's you weird. learn something new every day about people. Um, I never knew. I just I, I knew that you wore glasses. Um, so and then lastly, of course, our, our final guest on tonight's panel, uh, I'm pleased to bring back from last year and he was. Uh, at the uh, the epicenter of the light bulb that went off to have the first go around of the show, and that would be Mr. Uh, Bradley Rubin of Alec and Bradley. Brad, how are we doing
3: tonight? I'm doing I'm doing great, Bear. Thanks for uh, for having us all back on again. It actually feels pretty weird being uh, the only person in Florida, and all of you guys I think are in Texas. So That's I think true. it's pretty weird. Pretty weird for a cigar show that I would be the only one in Florida. Uh, but also, I'm holding on to the fact that I don't need glasses at this point so i
0: was gonna say i
3: was
0: gonna say 2020 (laughs) or you just you refuse to go because you don't want to wear glasses
3: 2020 the last time i checked but i think that's about 10 years ago so i'll hold on to that until i i realize that it starts to get real bad
0: yeah my my mother insists that i that i go to uh yes i'm 37 and my mother still insists on i do things um but uh (laughs) she insists that i still go to the uh, vision doctor because she thinks that i'm going to be that I, that I need glasses. Um, cause and, and, and in all fairness to her, I mean, you know, she's not a negative Nancy, she's being realistic. I'm the only person in my, per, in my family who doesn't need glasses. Um, so I, I mean, I, I, I definitely feel fortunate there, but it's like, it's like, I, I feel like, you know, finally I said, mom, are you just expecting for the bad news to come? And this like the other foot to drop and be like, finally, see, I told you I was right. It took me 37 years, but you need glasses now. Like, are you just waiting for that to happen? I don't know. But, uh, but so far, twenty twenty uh, in both eyes. So, right. um, which and before last year, twenty twenty was actually a good thing, right? exactly. <laughs> Just what we're, what has brought us here tonight. So, um, so gentlemen, thank you so much. I, I, I can't, I cannot thank you enough for all being here. Uh, I really appreciate, uh, I really appreciate y'all returning for this show. Uh, this was such a fantastic show. Take one fifteen uh, for those uh, keeping score. Uh, it was such a fantastic show last year, and and it was just it was perfect to have all three of you then, and it's it's perfect having you guys back. So thank you so much.
3: Glad to be back,
2: yes sir.
0: All right, well let's get things started uh, with the the you know the uh, the icebreakers here. Um, what's everyone What's everyone lighting up? Uh, what's everyone smoking?
2: I just lit up uh, the rant, that I, you know, released last year.
0: Terrific, yeah, terrific. We'll be talking more about that cigar here in a little bit. Um, what about uh, – Brad, I guess you're not uh, – you're indoors, so you, it doesn't look like you're smoking, but I know you're drinking on something.
3: I, I'm not smoking. If I were, it would be the new Kintsugi from Alec and Bradley. And then uh, if I were smoking again, paired with – what am I drinking? Uh, Redemption Rye, I think I am I got. So pretty terrific.
0: good.
3: Pretty good stuff. You, you've been drinking more rye lately, it seems like, or am I just imagining things um i actually i actually am alec uh has kind of put me onto the rise a little bit so he put me onto a Mictor's ride not too long ago and then also this redemption so when he puts me onto something and he thinks i'll like it I, I usually uh you know accept it and he's been he hasn't been wrong yet it's been good wonderful wonderful
0: well i'm um i'm a uh if you guys remember from last year, I did a, I did a Rochambeau to see who would actually be the, the cigar that I would smoke out of the three L's, uh last year. And uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately uh, Dan's McAuliffe cigars finished last place in that Rochambeau contest. So I thought I'd give him the honor uh, tonight. And I'm, I'm pleased to light up uh, what Dan has in this background here, the McAuliffe a. Um, so I'm, that's what I'm smoking right now. I've got that lit up, but I'm, I'm, I, I said this to you guys before the show, um, and you know it sounds like I'm just kissing y'all's ass, but I'm totally stoked about tonight's cigar lineup. It's going to start with this A. I've got a Home 2020 from Ben. I got a you like you had just showed there, uh, Alec. And if I need the wrap up, depending on how late we go, I've got uh, I've got a Mundiol from Alec and Bradley that uh, you were kind enough to to get for me. So I, I'm I'm pleased uh, with tonight's lineup very much. So, but Dan, uh, what did you light up?
1: I loaded up to, uh, tonight. I went with the Leander Special Edition, which is uh, rolled for us by Gomez Sanchez family in our factory nestle. Eight. It's uh, a release that we did two years ago. I thought I was going to be smoking the Magalia Special Edition, but they're all gone, so I had to roll back to the previous one.
0: Awesome, that's uh, that's from uh, that's the one with uh, Kim's uh, portrait on in the inside of the box, that's right? Kim right. Jackson's.
1: Yeah, that's right. Kim did the uh, portrait for us.
0: Yeah, just a nice little plug for K Art. If you guys need to check this out, uh, she did a portrait of, of McAuliffe's namesake, Al McAuliffe, the founder of McAuliffe cigars. Um, there's a portrait of him on the, in the inside of this box. And the portrait is made entirely of cigar labels, which is what Kim does. So Kim Jackson is uh, the, the, uh, the brilliance behind K Jack Art. You can check K out uh, And she's done some other great stuff. You know, she's got some of the classic, uh, cigar smoking stuff on there. The, uh, um, you know, the Jack Nicholson with the smoke ring, uh, JFK with his petite, uh, H Upman, um, the half Alfred Hitchcock, the, with the, with the, the, the crow, uh, resting on the, uh, on the cigar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible what she does. So, uh, so check that out and everything, but, um, some great, uh, great cigars tonight, Brad. I, I feel bad. This is the second time I've had you on, and you're not smoking. So I,
3: I, <laughs> I know. Uh, so I thought I ordered one of those, um those lights that you can attach to your laptop or your phone, and I was going to use that for any time that I was doing these shows at home. And I realized I never got it in. And I try not to smoke in the apartment, even though I, I could, but I don't want to stink up the place. So it's, uh, it's not, it's not a big place. So I just try and keep it. As clean as possible
0: you're a good man it sounds like it sounds like you're an even better roommate
3: <laughs> uh, i'm not i'm really not honestly i'm i'm a terrible roommate but uh you know one little thing at a time and and then you get better and better fair enough so
0: gentlemen i wanted to hit us off with a uh, a pretty pretty hot take question here so um i asked you guys to look back on this this past year 2020 and this and that was the premise of the show for, again, for those keeping source, take 115 was we were about, a, about three, four weeks into what we call the, what we call the COVID era now. And it was talking about how we were adjusting what our company, the, what our companies, uh, respectively were doing, uh, to deal with, uh, you know, to deal with the, the pandemic and, you know, all the, all the things that it was causing, uh, everyone to pivot to and everything. And, uh, and uh, so I want to start it off with this really take question. And as uh, Brad, since uh, since I just ended there with you, I'll, I'll start with you here. I mean, what did you get wrong when you look back at twenty twenty and you thought where we were like when, a month in, and you were like, "Oh, this will be X." What did you get wrong?
3: What did we get wrong? Uh, I think I got just about everything wrong. Uh, I, I didn't think that it was going to last a full year. I thought that. While we are while we are getting back into the swing of things now, I I think maybe it's different being in in Florida, um, where everything has kind of been back to normal for a while now. Um, I I probably thought that, that the whole country would have been basically back to normal at this point, where I know that it's not for most of the places. Not everywhere is open. Not the restaurants are not at full capacity. So I I would say that I've been completely wrong as to when. I thought this was going to end where when I thought COVID was going to be done and we would all be looking back on it. Um, So I I, I think I was probably the most far off uh, compared to everyone on, on the panel for sure.
0: So you um, what's like, so I know that I know Alex been to Honduras. You've, you've taken a trip Mm -hmm. recently to back to the Dominican, if I'm not mistaken, correct?
3: Yeah. And I I actually just got back from, uh, from Pittsburgh. Okay. So
0: as you, since you, since you, like you said, your life has been back to normal for the, probably the longest, you know, Florida has kind of, uh, it's kind of been open or been normal since probably last late last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what was kind of the biggest shock when you started traveling other places? Like, was it, was it, was it really weird? Or were you kind of just expecting it because what people had been telling you?
3: Um, Well, Honestly, in the two trips that I took, which were the Dominican Republic and Pittsburgh, I didn't feel in those two trips that they were so different, that, that I was out of place or felt uncomfortable. I felt like I was on a normal work trip. I felt like I was going to accounts. I was doing events and except for people walking in with masks and then taking them off to go enjoy their cigar. I wouldn't say that the events were any different. Um, plenty of people came, uh, to all of my events. So it wasn't, it didn't seem like anything had changed. Um, it wasn't slow. People didn't seem afraid to come in. Um, so, uh, in those part, in those two of my only trips, it felt pretty normal actually. So, um, I think I just, I talked to a lot of the people, um, on our team and I hear about what's going on in their, in their territories. So I know that it's still not the same in on the West coast or uh, in the Northeast and stuff like that. So I guess that's, you know, that's why I went on this particular trip to Pittsburgh because I know that people were excited for events. It was a lot of um, for the three events I did, it was all their first event of the year since COVID and people were excited to go out. Very, very excited.
0: I think, uh, I think people in general just kind of like, just, I mean, well, I think most of us were starving for, for that normalcy pretty quickly, but I think at this point it's, you know, uh, you know, especially with the vaccine and everything, which we'll get to here in a little bit, I, I think that people are just finally just, there's this 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 relief a little bit and people are more apt to just, you know, get out and do a lot more things all over, not just pockets like they were kind of interchanged and everything. Um, Ben, I I think you and Dan had, you know, I think Brad and I were probably the two most lost out of the group last time in terms of like what expectation to have, not trying to be disparaging at all to you, Brad, but I was in the same boat. I was like, I don't know what the heck's going on. Um, But Brad, I think you and Dan had the most analytical uh, perspectives, but from two different points of view, you know, you have a political science background. And so you looked at it from that. And Dan has a, you know, has a, uh, a biochemist background. So he had a, very scientific look at it too so wh- what about you Ben what, what did you what did you get wrong what do you how, you how do you feel like your opinion or what you thought was going to happen change, was did not in the worst you know different way
2: I don't think it was going to last as long right um I mean I knew there was going to be residuals that would linger of course right anything like that it always takes about a year or two to kind of you know really you know uh feel those um I don't think we were going to go <laughs> this you know the, I don't think the quarantines were going to last as long I don't think I don't think that businesses were going to be shut down as long as they, they were uh, going to. Um, you know, I think that all d- differed from each state, you know, state to state. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of threw, you know, kind of threw me off. I, I, I you know, I'm still kind of, we're still suffering some some of those residuals now as we start to get back open a little bit. But there's still, you know, the things we we're, we're we're still learning as we go, right? Um, you know, we got the vaccines rolling out. You know, travel is going to start picking up, it looks like, you know, it looks like the EU is going to allow Americans in if you're vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. I don't think I really foresaw any of that, really.
0: Yeah, it's almost like travel has become, I mean, when it became like cumbersome before during COVID, now it's becoming even more because there's like there's certain airlines and certain places that are like well if you're vaccinated it's okay or, but you still have to take a test no vaccinated's okay you don't have to take a test it's like almost it's like what florida was uh when covid first started you know brad i think you could attest to this like you know every county was different right like it, every neighborhood was different
3: <laughs> you know yeah yeah anywhere that you went you had to basically look up what the rules were of that specific county and figure out do i need to wear my mask or um, is there a mask mandate even outside or inside, you know, restaurants? So yeah, you had to go county by county and figure out <clears throat> what you, what you could or couldn't do. So Ben, back to
0: you for just a second. So not to put you on the spot here, but you t- technically speaking, you are the youngest brand here. Uh, not by much over Alec and Bradley, I mean, a, an eyelash there, but you know, you were, you were starting to build momentum. I mean, you, that was the, the, the previous trade show just six months before six, seven months before uh, COVID started really coming into effect. I mean, you hit the ground running. I mean, you had, I mean, you were, I mean, you, I mean, on the way up and everything, I mean, how frustrating was it for you as this continued to drag on that you couldn't capitalize on that, that great momentum that you had when you started out?
2: Oh, very, you know, it, it, it it's kind of a, Shitty thing to be thrown into, right? When that's especially stuff out of your control. But uh, you know, you just when something like that happens, you just focus on your strengths. Uh, be a little bit more reserved with 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 the the moves that you make, and you know, continue to uh, build on those strong relationships that you had. You know, um, that was kind of my mentality over the past year. That's what I continued with. Um, you know, hopefully, but. I, I, still working on projects still moving the boat forward uh just like i said being a little bit more reserved with with those uh those kind of uh, releases and, and movements
0: so so dan over to you um you know, like i said you, before you have a you have the you have a you have a biochemist background so you looked at this from a very last year when you were on the show you had this you had this very scientific approach to it i mean wh- what did you think after what what you know, after the years that we experienced, what, you know, what did you think from your first impressions as you reflected
1: back? Well, I, I think that as a country, a lot of good things came out of it in terms of us supporting ourselves in new ways. You know, the the herfs that happened online and how communities learned to work together. I'm certainly felt like maybe I underestimated the amount of regulatory change that was gonna happen what you're talking about in the travel. Uh, and it's wonderful being in the United States because states have the ability to try different things. And, you know, whether we were in Florida or Texas, we had a little more open approach. And I, I really feel for the people in the Northeast and the Midwest, like Michigan, where their states took a very different approach. And, you know, while we're beginning to kind of blossom again, our communities, you know, they're still fairly locked down. And uh, I, I don't think I would have anticipated the amount of time that the other states would have remained locked down. Um, I'm I'm thankful for not only the vaccines, which are you know a great step forward for the people who choose to take them. And depending on what your lifestyle is or your age, it's really important. But I'm, I'm even more grateful for the therapeutics that if you do get COVID, which I had, you know, I was able to speed through the recovery. So you know, there's a lot of things that were at play and um, I'm hoping as a country that we heal and begin to become confident again and uh, everybody can go back to work, especially in the hospitality industry. Oh, absolutely.
0: Dan, Dan and I apologize if I, I don't mean to get too personal. Did you did you say that you got COVID after the vaccine or did I completely misunderstand? No, you?
1: we got COVID before the vaccine. Oh, okay. Um, but, but that's where the therapeutics were great. You know, everybody talks about vaccines, but it's kind of a two-piece puzzle you know, vaccine not to get it, but if you do get it, you want great therapeutics. And so, you know, fortunately they were able to have great protocols to help people recover as fast as they could. Yeah, I
0: was, you know, I I think at, you know, this time last year, I I think, you know, out of the four of us, I don't think any of us, uh, you know, maybe one of, maybe one of us probably knew someone who knew somebody who had it. Sure. Um, but now a year later, I think, I think it's touched us all. We've either, um, you know, in, in Dan's case, we've, 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 had it or, or, you know, we've, we know much more many more people who've come in contact with it. Um, um, luckily, you know, knock on wood, I, I, I wasn't, you know, one to catch it, but my entire sales team did <laughs> for my day job. Um, and. I mean, at one point, I mean, it was just, it was, it was just crazy. I couldn't believe it. Um, How, just how, how quickly it got, you know, so close into the seven degrees of separation. It was, it was one degree by the, you know, by summertime, which was
3: just, it was just crazy. We have bear freeze.
1: Yeah, he probably dropped. (laughs) Bear may have done his first drop tonight. He's going to leave it in our hands. (laughs) (laughs) So Dan, were you the only one that got
2: COVID? Did did you get it Bradley?
3: Uh, Yeah, me and my brother both got it. We're taking different protocols. Oh, there you are, Bear. Bear, we lost you. We lost you for a little while. Oh, sorry about that. Thank you. It's all good. No problem. Um, We kept it going.
0: Awesome. Um, So no, I was just saying I'll I'll throw one in. uh, I'll throw my opinion in here as far as where I was wrong. I think that the uh, the biggest the biggest thing for me was you know I for some reason and this was just being naive. Um, I, you know I just thought this was just just going to somehow go away. You know, and you know because I, I, I remember H one N one a few years ago, where you know people before the term socially distance was a thing, people were still kind of getting a little. Funny, you know, and about being in personal spaces and stuff like that. But then it just, quote unquote, went away, and you know, things went back to back to normal and stuff. And I just thought that that was going to happen, and boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here we are, you know, over a year later, and um, you know, it's still it's still very much uh, still very much on the the minds and operations of most people, even in states that have opened up, even like here in Texas um where things have opened up a lot of you know they uh, they remove the mask coordinates and a lot of businesses are still requiring them you know um and everything so it's it's still very much like nothing has changed in a lot of ways a lot of things have changed but some things not but uh all right um so just uh from there i want to kind of go into tonight's uh first curveball segment so in the spirit of last year we, uh, we had three guests, so I was did a three curveball segment. So we're doing three curveball segments again tonight. So uh, uh, the curveball segment is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. It's a Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust curveball segment. Fastballs or curveballs? It doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Saka has been knocking them out of the park six consecutive years. The consensus top three. Yeah, I looked it up, and I even got fact-checked by my own partner on Cigar Coop Primetime Special Editions, Will Cooper. So shout out to him. Uh, six consecutive years in the consensus. So tonight's first curveball, okay, gentlemen, is um, something like we're going to kind of change it up here a little bit. Something, you know, we, where we got wrong in the spirit of that question. So something we got wrong as a child. So here's what I mean by this. Like what was something when you, in your young, not necessarily as a child, but in your youth, in your younger years where you thought you hated, you really hated that, but now as you've become an adult, have grown a love for, a taste for, or something you appreciate. Curious. So I'll give you guys a moment to think about this. Here was, here is my light bulb moment about why this question came up and it was a pivot off of our, our initial question, but, um, I've, haven't had a soft drink, Coke, soft soda, whatever you want to call it, wherever you are in the year. Uh, in the country, uh, for, um, over five years now. And, um, and bef- when I was drinking soda, uh, the taste of club soda, sparkling water, uh, flavored sparkling water was just absolutely abhorrent to me. I just thought it was the most disgusting thing in the world. I couldn't drink it. It was gross. I just, oh gosh. And now I can't get enough of it. I drink sparkling water all the time. I drink, uh, bubbly, like it's going out of style. Um, I mean, I am constantly looking for flavored, uh, sparkling water drinks. And the thing is it's where the, the sweetness was so light when I was drinking soda. Now it's like, these drinks are so almost too sweet. It's kind of crazy what soda does to your, to your head and stuff. So, that's that's kind of my thing when, you know, when I was younger and everything, I just thought it was the most disgusting taste in the world. I couldn't I couldn't imagine why people drank it. And now I can't get enough of it. So that's that's mine. So, um, uh, Ben, we'll, we'll go to you.
2: Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels sprouts. Now I used to hate them <laughs> as kids. You know, now as an adult, man, there's different ways you can make Brussels sprouts and they taste good. Put some balsamic vinegar on it, you know, fry it or grill yes. it, you know, put some bacon bits on it and Brussels sprouts.
0: Absolutely. I th- I think that's can be said about a lot of things when we were kids about like, like vegetables in general, like they were just like everyone's answer to like, like vegetables was just boiling them and yeah. like a little bit of salt, maybe, maybe salt.
1: Right. Yeah. I, and yeah, then, exactly. you,
0: but yeah, now you can make spinach delicious. You can make Brussels. I love Brussels sprouts too. You can make Brussels sprouts, delicious, green beans,
2: everything. Just, I'm a big foodie. So like, you know, learning new ways to cook something, <laughs> eat something. You know, I'm really like a 500-pound dude and like a 200-pound frame, honestly. Um, I will eat all day if I, you know, if I really like it. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I still hate tomatoes, though. Still still hate tomatoes. That's so true. raw
0: tomato or just tomato in any form? Like just tomato sauce, ketchup, like all that? Raw bad, tomato. Or? Raw tomato. Raw tomato.
2: Yeah, I can't do raw tomato. I mean, I can do it on a pizza. You know, if it's cooked, I can, like, you know. Tomato sauce, I like uh, ketchup, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I just hate a raw tomato. That's why if you put it on my hamburger, I'm not going to eat that hamburger. It's just tomatoes.
0: I didn't hate tomatoes until I left my home growing up. So we grew tomatoes in the garden. So I always had farm fresh, like garden fresh, not farm fresh, garden fresh tomatoes. And like I wouldn't use ketchup as a kid on burgers. Like I would just cut a thick slice of tomato out of our garden and put it on there and it's delicious, but apparently tomatoes everywhere else are just gross. So I'm, I'm with you on that a little reverse, but I think it's just because I've spoiled as a kid, you just don't like the taste. Um,
3: all right. Uh, Brad, what about you? Uh, I'm not even lying. Ben took like everything I was going to say. I was like, I was going to say Brussels sprouts, like broccoli, uh, like carrots i was like I, I just vegetables as a kid didn't like but my number one thing i was going to say was brussels sprout. so ben literally stole all my answers and also i don't like tomatoes except for ketchup or like diced tomatoes so uh i'll just refer to ben for my future answers on. <laughs> like
2: two peas in a pod you know a vegetable. yeah man a vegetable thing is it Dude, is i it? can't believe it isn't it weird though? Like, like, I don't know if you've had
0: this experience, Brad, with vegetables. Like when I was a kid, I didn't, I I was, you know, I didn't necessarily like a lot of them either, but it's strange. Now I'll eat them and I enjoy it, but it still nostalgically brings me back to my parents' dinner table.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Asparagus. Where I hated them and it's weird. Right right back. Yeah. I was like, "I, I don't want to, I don't want to eat this. I want to finish it. But now I'm like, Oh great. Asparagus, Brussels sprouts. Love it. Thank you. Like I'll eat it all day, but it does bring me back to the fact that I didn't like it. At one point, my parents were like, yo, you're eating us. Awesome. Thank um, you, Ben. You're welcome.
0: Dan, what about you? You hate tomatoes too, or are we going to make this a...
1: I'm, I'm anti-Brussels sprouts, pro tomato. Oh, okay. So you're the opposite.
3: All right. <laughs> trying to start. He's trying to start a fight here.
1: <laughs> here we go.
0: No, uh, Sincerely, Dan, before we start on this Brussels sprout kick, what were, you, what were you thinking about? What did you think?
1: So as a kid, I hated structure and I disliked constraints. And as I've grown, I realized that structure allows us to do things in a really consistent way when you're trying to deliver a set of experiences, whether it's our products or our ambassador program. And being constrained drives creativity, which really unleashes a lot of wonderful things. And so uh, certainly as a kid, I hated structure and constraints. And now now I love them.
0: Dan, Dan, Dan proving again, well, he's got the science background, man. He's got the all the, the analytical answer here. Uh, it, 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 what is it about? What is it about those two things now that kind of like, we, again, I, obviously you hated them as a child because, I mean, they restricted you. But what is it about that? That I'll ask it this way. What is it about them as an adult that's freeing?
1: Well, what's very freeing about structure is when a team or organization understands the structure and they all know their positions, they can play the best possible game on the field. That's structure. And constraint is something that we all suffer from because nobody has unlimited resources. So learning how to say no to different projects or being able to say, hey, how are we gonna rethink this completely? We're not going to the trade show this year. That's a choice so that we could put more sellers with retailers across the country. And you know, that's our choice this year. You know, as our business continues to grow, we may change that position, but that's an example of how we turn a constraint into a really powerful relationship. I just want
0: to point out to uh, shout out to Jay Davis for pointing this out. Dan and I are also apparently the only real tobacco lovers here because tomato is a member of the nightshade family, which tobacco is. So apparently <laughs> secretly Ben and Brad don't like, don't like tobacco. I'm just kidding. This is how rumors get started. Um, but no, I, I, I thought that was, I think that's an interesting thing. Like kind of look back, you know, as you change, you, you know, you could look at back this, this in terms of like one's own life personally. And, or look at it in the way that Dan did. We took it personally and then he also applies it to like where we are in like our, our business and where we are in our life, you know, today, you know, how, how things can change over time is interesting to me and always has been. Um, I was one of the, I don't know why I was just speaking about food again, but like I was a, really strange as a kid. I didn't like mashed potatoes for for, you know, for some weird reason. And then, like one Thanksgiving dinner, I had them, and it was like the greatest thing on earth. And I think I ate the entire bowl. I don't think my family got any mashed potatoes that Thanksgiving. Um, but, uh, but, it, do you? Uh, let me ask the, the group this thing. Do you do you feel like it's going to continue in life? Like not like like use this as an example, right? I mean, I mean, do you? And maybe not tomato specifically, but the tomato example. Ben, Brad, do you guys think that you know? 25 years from now there could be something that you don't like today that you could that you could come to love or do you think do you think it's like a one-time transition child to adult i'm just interested to get y'all's response
2: on this well i hope it changes because that's what makes life interesting right you know uh hopefully there's other things i can learn to enjoy but i don't know you know how you how the body usually works though when it comes to taste buds you know when as you get older taste buds start dying off so you know i'll probably be that old guy, you know, sucking on that hard mint candy or something, thinking it's the best thing in the world. Um, I hope that's not the case, man. I like food, so hopefully, you know, that world will open up to me a little bit more, and I'll be able to enjoy you know, other foods that kind of turned me off in the past. We'll see.
3: What about you, Brad? Uh, I I think it changes. I think uh, everyone's palate, uh, their interests, uh, food they like, it all changes. It's just one is a matter of time and two is a matter of the person. If you're not willing to try new stuff, then you'll never see if you like it the second time around. Um, so recently, again, I started trying mushrooms again, still don't really like them. I am warming up to them a little bit, but like if it's finally chopped up, I could do it. But like big mushrooms, no, thank you. So, um, you know, do it in small doses, try it every few years to see if you like it again. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But if you're stubborn like I am, then you may not try those new things ever again, and you'll just say for you know say for your entire life that you just don't like something.
0: You know, you and I've had this discussion before, Brad. You've said this a lot of times, and I keep hearing this over and over again. It's a recurring theme of you being stubborn. And I've honestly yet to I mean, I'm sure I will at some point, <laughs> but I've honestly yet to see it. Like you, you're 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 an incredibly open-minded person. You're you're up for trying things. So it's just, it, it's weird to me when you say, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm just like the world's most stubborn person.
3: I, I wouldn't I believe it. I'm not
0: calling you a liar. I'm
3: just like, no, no, I wouldn't say I'm the world's most stubborn person, but I, I, especially when it comes to food, I've always been a very picky eater. So it hasn't, it wasn't until I, you know, got to high school that I started trying more stuff and then college and then after college. <clears throat> so like I said, like mushrooms, I recently started trying again. Um, and I probably before that hadn't had mushrooms for like over five years. So I'm just like, Oh, i never liked mushrooms. I'm not going to eat mushrooms. Same with Ben where he's like, I don't like raw tomato. Like I'm not going to have it on a burger. I did try it on a burger. I don't know, three months ago, but before that it was probably like over, you know, seven years. So I, uh, when I, usually when I say I do or don't like something, I believe that to be the truth for forever but then okay someone's like all right try this okay I'll, I'll i'll try it because you know maybe you brought me to your favorite restaurant or you're cooking me a meal i'll try it because you took the time and effort to introduce me to it again and you want me to try it but um i promise you that i won't but then i try it i'm like okay it's not so bad i see why other people like mushrooms or tomatoes but <clears throat> it's just not for me but maybe in 10 years that will change
0: are there people in your life that just get like furious with you when like you're so adamant and then like you try it because you're open and then you admit like quote unquote you were wrong and then it doesn't yeah. bother you. And it yeah. just just infuriate. Yeah. I'm thinking of my college roommate now. I remember yeah. him and I were arguing about something one time and I was just like so adamant. We were both stubborn and mules, man. We we're just like two kids, like two kids in college, just, just like, it was like, I think of the, 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 uh, the buck fight in uh, Bambi, those two, just going at it. Like no one's moving, No one's budging. I ended up being on the wrong side of the argument. And I was like, okay, I was wrong. Sorry. Yeah. And I just like brushed it off. I, apo- Hey, I apologized. I mean, I'm end up. And I was like, okay, sorry. And I, he was so furious. I mean, he was livid. He was more mad that I admitted to being wrong than he was, than that he was overjoyed for being right. Like it was, it was <laughs> the most uh, like, and we've had several discussions since then like that, but, uh, Dan, I'm I'm curious to get your perspective on this because you've had several you've had several pivots in life. I mean, you have the biochemist background, you went into tech, now you're in cigars, and and well, uh, in, in other fields, you're very diversified. Let's let's be honest. So, I mean, what about you? I mean, 20, 25 years, does Dan Thompson have different interests that he that he didn't before, or likes things that hates today?
1: No, I think as we grow grow up. Maybe that's the right word. You know, we begin to really identify and my friends know my little saying, I like what I like, but you never want to lose the sense of wonder and discovery. And so for me, it's been about a journey. You know, I got to a point when I left high tech, my focus was, I want to work with great people. And that brought me to cigars and what we do at with Al McAuliffe. And I think that if you can live life and enjoy the journey and have a sense of wonder, as you get older, you may like what you like more often, but that's a pattern or, or the, the mantra I've adopted. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, I think it's
0: just something to kind of reflect on, especially the, the course of the year that the last 12 months have taken us. Like, the as much as all of us have adapted and changed to things, you know, been forced into it in a lot of ways, but you know, we're talking about something that kind of can potentially bring us joy, right? Something that we didn't like before. Now it's like, Hey, and you know, I think there's some, some possibilities there. Um, All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you for the fun exercise there. That was our first curveball segment uh, brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, Tonight's major point, uh, we'll get into that now. Uh, It's always brought to you by Baracoa Cigar Company. Baracoa is back. The voyage has now launched. I personally couldn't wait for the cigar to come back. It's been over three years, but now with the revamped blend coming from one of the hottest industry, uh, hottest factories in the industry, Danny Vasquez promises if you like the original, you're going to love the relaunch. So it all started back earlier this month, and you can check out uh, suncigar.com right now or check out Baracoa Cigars uh, on social media to find out where you can get um, you can get your Voyage cigars. So stay tuned for more details. And remember, never, never settle Barracoa Cigar Company. Um, so, gentlemen, um, we, we kind of kicked things off with talking about the previous year. And, and this is the, again, this is the theme for tonight in the COVID era of what we learned in the past 12 months. So as is, is bold of a question this is, because it's probably hard to narrow down, but I wanted to ask from both a personal perspective, again, but also from perspective of the company you either A, own or work for, What's the biggest lesson you learned in the past year? Dan, I'll kick things off with you.
1: I don't think it's a new lesson. I think it was imprinted on me better than it's ever been imprinted. And it's uh, the people that you surround yourself with, your team, makes all the difference in the world. And together, you know, with Andy and Alan and Amanda, we just hit obstacles and we sit down and we talk about it and we go, how do we overcome this? And because we each have each other's back, and we know that we're going to do this as a team, it makes the journey a lot of fun. It, it seemed like you know,
0: from you know, Luciano was in the chat asking uh, a second ago about can you is 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 tasting something you can learn, and uh, we can unpackage that question here in a little bit. But specific to your response there, Dan, I think um, I th- I think McAuliffe taught us all an invaluable lesson this past year. I want to give you guys a lot of credit, and I've done this before as well. I think um, there were a lot of companies, including the, the three that are represented on this this panel tonight, that did an, a sensational job in what we call, what we refer to as the COVID era in various different ways. But what I think McAuliffe was best at, to your point, was learning along the way. It just seemed like we were... It just seemed like we were constantly, we were constantly learning alongside your learning. If that made sense, is that is that fair?
1: Yeah, I, the thing that I love about our team is we're not afraid to do things. Um, we come from different industries, and it when you put that kind of diversity together, you really you look at things differently. And that's where the constraint thing comes into play. You know, when you've got constraints, this year it was COVID that was placed on us. You know, our job was to overcome obstacles. And, you know, in our case, we, we created McAuliffe TV. And McAuliffe TV was an incredible experience for our ambassadors. And it was wonderful to connect with people from across the industry and in what we call off the record. I learned so much from the interviews of guests from other cigar makers or brands that came and joined us. It was kind of like doing a, a master's level class in the cigar industry throughout the year, listening to our guests talk. So it, it was a wonderful experience for us, painful at times, but uh, it was great. And you know, our, our retailers received some of the ideas that we had moving to some hybrid events where we can incorporate people in on the, the Zoom experience with what was going on in the stores. And it, it's been a really wonderful formula for us and our business partners. I,
0: I think so. Like, so, give credit to to Jay again here. a Second, I think, and I think that, again, the same could be said for all three companies on the panel. And I'm not just saying that because all three of you are represented here. But, you know, Jay said that McAuliffe is really unique. It feels more like a lifestyle brand. It's a complete experience that you guys provide. I think that's a big compliment from one of your retail partners. But, um, to to all these lessons that you were learning, Dad, I want to ask this again. I think it's unfair for me to say what's the most important or the biggest lesson. But what was the most surprising lesson that you learned? What, what if you can remember a moment that, you caught, that caught you off guard, like, wow, I didn't know that. Like, it was just incredibly fascinating to you, you. I'm sure you have a
1: couple, but what, what comes to mind? I didn't realize what an <laughs> exciting, amazing, sometimes shocking experience it would be when we took our sales team and we enabled them all to become on-air personalities and just really be themselves. We didn't want to change the way somebody bees or somebody was, you know, I came from a a different environment where everybody kind of had to follow some corporate guidelines. And we just said, let's open it up. And the things that we found were awesome. And, you know, you always hear the, the statement when people get a chance to be themselves and be real, they can do incredible things. And we lived that this year. When, when our sales team became themselves out on the internet, in the retail stores with the ambassadors, it was an incredible experience.
0: I couldn't agree more, and I love that you took the 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 for lack of a better metaphor, you took the leash off, so to speak. But uh, but in essence, you just allowed them to be, and I, I think that can be said. The same can be said about you know. And and I listen. I enjoy talking to all three of you off air. I think you three of the most unique personalities in the cigar industry with really great perspectives, but. I have to say my conversations with Ben off air um, are some of the most fascinating things. I mean, we've, we've talked about everything from political science to uh, you know, to history, to cigars, to food and drink. I mean, I mean, we have this, these varied conversations that they kind of just span the gamut, but I find Ben to be one of the most fascinating people I've just met period. Um, And that's something I've seen, seen you've been, I know I've seen you on, I've had you on my show a couple of times, but I've seen you on other shows and, you've it's it's like you've really opened up a lot you know is that one lesson that you learned in the past year like just to to kind of be yourself and let it show a little bit more or what what lessons have you learned in the past year
2: yeah i think you know that that was kind of you know personal realization i mean you already you you know it but it was kind of reiterating that lesson again you know um when when you're on lockdown and all you got really is yourself you know uh you got to kind of re-explore yourself a little bit. Right. Um, and, and share it, you know, it's, it's a part of, you know, it's part of who you are. Um, some people want to like it, some people ain't, but, you know, I think that, you know, it all comes back again, a little bit of, uh, self-exploration and, 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 and self-discovery and accepting, accepting who you are, you know, um, COVID, I think a lot of people went through that, uh, this past year, you know, when you're stuck at home, you're not, you're not able to go out and, do the things that you normally were able to do, um, you know, use that time, you know, for self-reflection a little bit. And, you know, like we talked about what are things you like and what are things you don't like, you know, use that time to, to kind of figure it out. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a it's been a crazy year, you know. But like I said, I think this past year, I don't know about learning new lessons more so as just a reminder of old lessons uh, for me personally. Uh, one, accepting what your limits are. Uh, it's okay to slow down for a little bit uh, and uh, you know keep moving forward but take take a you know take a little bit of a step back and 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 reevaluate a little bit because I don't think anybody could have prepared what was going to happen right I mean I have friends in numerous other industries that and I'm looking at you know looking at their industries like holy shit you know that's it's crazy that you guys have to go through that but then You can kind of see a parallel in our industry as well, too. Uh things were disrupted for a lot of people. Shops had to be closed for a while. Shipping got, you know, uh delayed on certain things for some people in the industry, factories got shut down. Um uh, I just remembered a line that James had once told me before, uh shit happens and you gotta make it work, you know. Um, and that was kind of my mantra over the past year is you don't have control over it all. Sometimes you just got to accept that fact and, and work with those limits and those restraints like Dan was talking about, realizing what those are and uh, uh, just kind of forming a structure around that.
0: So, so Ben, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you've not that the team went away, you know, your team didn't go away during this. And like you said, you were just spent a lot more time alone because of the nature of what COVID forced us into um, but you've always been in a group of people for the most part. I mean, you, you're, you're time, your time, uh, your time in the Marine Corps, part of a unit, right. Your time in the cigar industry, part of a team. Um, so obviously it's a very social business. You're around, cons- you know, customers constantly, or you're around your team. It's a, it's a very social endeavor. Um, you know, was that, was that challenging for you to kind of be, have to take the step back from, you know, from people.
2: Yeah, I mean, because you have to, because you're still dealing with people, you're dealing with them a different method, right? You know, you're not, you're not face to face with them anymore. So you really had to rely on technology and, uh, you know, emails and, you know, some of that stuff gets, you know, you lose, it's great that we have technology, it's great we have this communication, you know, these forms of communication, but there is also something, you know, I think that is very paramount in, you know, human to human interaction, right? Because your body language is... Um, you know, uh, sometimes you just feed off of people differently, um, in in person rather than, you know, over virtual, virtual things. And I think it's just, that's just a lesson you got to, you know, I think a lot of people had to learn to adapt to, right. This past year. And I had to do that, right. I had to learn to re, you know, reassess how, uh, I interact with people and, and, and come to a new, uh, a new avenue of, of doing that. Um, which was, you know, I'm. I know I'm probably the youngest guy here, but like I'm still one of those old carburetor analog kind of guys. You know, technology to me is—I'm I mean, still trying. I'm still trying to understand. I, I don't. I still don't even know all the full functions of my iPhone. You know, so uh, uh, it was—it was—it's it was, been a bit it has been a big learning. You know, big learning. You know, had a big learning curve. You know, I had to overcome. Uh, but. Well, it's
0: it's not you, Ben. The batteries die after a while. That's just a known fact among everybody. So, who has an iPhone? So, don't worry, it's nothing you did. My mother asked me that question. You know, harking back to my mother being entered in a conversation here. She's like, I don't know what what I'm doing wrong. I'm like, you're not doing anything wrong, Mom. They just they just die after a while. Well, what do I do? You get another one.
2: <laughs> yeah. Plug, so, plug um, it in. Charge it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, she's like, well, I can just keep it plugged in. I was like, Mom, that's that's exactly what your your landline is for. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh uh um <laughs> Brad I I don't want to put you too much on the spot here with this necessarily mm. but like I mean I because th- I think all of us are still learning the the business so to speak um but in terms of like learning the business and then now this 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 covid happens and now you have to relearn or learn new ways and stuff what were the what were some of the important lessons that you had to either relearn or learn, uh, during this stage of, uh, of your entrepreneurship?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say patience. Um, the cigar industry moves slow, 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 it moves so slow. And I've never been the person that can just sit and wait. Um, so, I mean, since I've been in it, it's been slow. So COVID didn't change that too much, but it, it did change it a lot because like Ben said, we saw factory shut down. Uh, we also, you know, we work with multiple factories, we work with about six different factories. So each one is different. Um, you know, for example, we got, you know, we were lucky to get number seven cigar of the year on cigar Fortunato with our, with our gatekeeper, which was, you know, it's was great. I mean, definitely most likely the most exciting time that will ever happen to me in this industry but when the guy who's making it gets the number one and the number, you know, 20 something, and we're trying to get product out to people that are excited to try it. And he has an obligation to get his number one cigar of the year out, which I completely understand. And, uh, the only thing I could say to myself is, Hey, be patient. You know, people will get it. It will take time. Cigars aren't, you know, aren't turned around in, in a day or a week or a month. It, it takes time. So, it was difficult for me to, to swallow that, you know, it's going to take a few months to get more gatekeeper in. And, uh, you know, the, the whole team is out selling cigars because we, we are, I think we're all seeing a, a, a demand for cigars right now. And the productions are not working at full capacity. So we're not getting as much production in a day and in a month that we were seeing before COVID. So this constant trying to catch up I think it's been difficult for everyone in the industry, which is, you know, it's a, a a good and bad thing. You know, we're selling a lot of cigars, which is great. People are trying our product, but it's taking a lot of time for us to get a, get them that product, which frustrates our retailers. And we don't want, we don't want them to be mad at us. Right. So this, uh, the, the balance of, Hey man, you know, we're, we're selling cigars, businesses is is doing well in an unfortunate time is unique, you know, for our industry and probably a few others while most are hurting so we're lucky in that regards but we just can't get the product fast enough so the one thing i've been doing for a year is just you know be patient wait for the cigars we want them to be right we don't want them to be made too fast because quality might you know i don't know if i should curse but go to shit and um and you can do better than that that. We don't want the quality to go to shit and um, and just be patient because everything will be fine. People will still smoke cigars and everyone will try the new stuff that they want, uh, that we want them to try and smoke the old stuff that they've been smoking for a long time. So that's that's been my big takeaway.
0: Dan, uh if memory serves, McAuliffe was, I think, at least in the in the context of the panel tonight, I think was the only, y'all's factory was the only one that didn't do a shutdown. I think you guys instituted different protocols and, and things like that, but I, I don't think there was ever a shutdown. Is that correct?
1: No, I can't speak for the others, but certainly in Esteli, we were able to work with the government and their agencies to implement the protocols that they wanted to have happen. Um, but the thing, it sounds good that you're running your factory, You know, we found ourselves where we couldn't get key people into Nicaragua at the time when we were working on on bringing a blending project to completion. So, yes, we were able to to effectively run what we knew how to do in the factory, but we weren't able to make changes and do some of the ambitious ideas that we had.
0: I think this was a frustrating point for all all three of you. Although if I had to if I had to make a wager Brad I think that Alec was probably more anxious than you to get back down to to Honduras and the Dominican uh not by much mind you but I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure he was just I felt like he was chomping at the bit. Um how how so from from your am, am I right is my assumption right Brad?
3: Yeah oh yeah a- Alec okay. is and in, and in, in, uh just in general a very anxious person uh where I'm I've always been a very calm and relaxed person, uh, so he was absolutely itching to get down to the factories, get back on the road, um, just get back to normal life again. Um, so you are, you're, you're dead on.
0: So to to use your words though, because you're stubborn and impatient, which I don't believe. <laughs> but to use your words against you here, it's a dev, it's a devil's trick doing this. But yeah, what, how difficult was it for you to witness your business partner, also <laughs> your brother? to struggle so much with that considering how bad he really wanted to get back. Like what, how, what was that like for you?
3: Um, you know, the, the, the best thing that, that I could do was just be his brother, not, not be his business partner, but <clears throat> be his brother, which uh, I don't think has been easy for either of us for, you know, my life as, as being brothers, um, you know, cause we've always been very different, but you know, all again, it was like my lesson was be patient, and that's all I could tell Alec. And Alec, as far, as long as I've known him, has been a very impatient person. Um, so while he wants to get started on the newest project and and you know figure out what's going on with quality and production and how do we get things rolling again, you know we're we're already we're we're backordered months in advance already. So, you know what you're trying to start next, you're not going to see for, you know nine months a year and while that is it's great to plan that far ahead let's focus on what is going on now let's figure out you know what are our short-term goals we, before we start working on the long the long-term goals so it was difficult to see Alec frustrated and impatient just like I am um, but the best thing I could do is just talk to him and be like hey you know let's let's figure this out together and, and we did and we're we're still working on it but um, you know, he's been there for me and I've been there for him. So it's, it's worked out.
0: Ben, what, I want you to chime in here. So you were, you were starting to go down to Nicaragua regularly to work on production. Cause again, you're, you're launching this, this, this brand. Um, uh, kind of, I'm, i am with, with all respect to, with all respect to Veja and James and Angela and their team there, but you're, you're doing this kind of on your own. You're working with people, obviously, but, uh, you know, to, to not be able to travel and, and, and talk about these projects, working on projects from afar, I mean, that had to be a major shift.
2: Yeah, it sucked me. I mean, I was good to a degree because I already have, you know, had rant, rave and tirade already slated and, and, and getting that stuff ready to go um and then i had you know another project up my sleeve as well too that um i still want more time to work on uh with you know uh packaging and stuff like that but the cigars are great um and so yeah it did suck Cause i'm one of those people like i love the factory i love going down there and like i said uh you know getting getting uh being in person with james you know you get the creative juices flowing and and the fun part of being in this industry for me really takes fold, you know? Um, so for the past year not I'd be able to go down there and it, and it, yeah, it did suck, but you have to adjust your expectations, right? Um, I think a lot of people had to do that this past year. Uh, I have a great factory. You know, those those guys down there are awesome. So uh, stuff can still get done, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fun part, you know, you kind of had to take a back seat a little bit. Um, but, you know, still got stuff in the work, still got ideas of things that we're going to, you know, I'm going to start working on and, and getting out. So, uh, it still moving forward again. Right. Even though it's a little bit slower, like, you know, uh, Brad, Bradley was saying, like some things might be put off a little bit longer than what you expected them to be, you know? Uh, but that's, I think everybody's kind of in that boat. Uh, so I think everybody kind of has kind of some, uh, Solace in that a little bit, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not in particular just one brand. Everybody in this industry is kind of feeling it. So, you know, you just gotta realize that, adjust those expectations, readjust your plan a little bit, uh, work with what you got and uh try to make the, the most of it. Um and even that could be frustrating because I'm kind of an impatient guy as well too, you know, especially when I get an idea in my head. I wanna, you know, tackle it and 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 get it going because I'm excited about it and I want other people to feel that excitement too. But you know. COVID
0: happened and you know, readjust. Uh, obviously Ben's been down to Esteli, Brad's been to Honduras and the Dominican. Dan, have you have you ventured down to the factory in Esteli?
1: You know, we're set up a little different at McAuliffe. We have a gentleman named Alan Davis, who's the president of our factory. And uh, he offices with us here in Weatherford. He has been down, he got down in January you know, the thing that I think that we all experience and, and we don't always say out loud is, you know, once you made a cigar, all the components that go into it for packaging have to be proofed. And so last year was a great example of where our ability to, to proof things was very, very challenging. You know, you can't look at something on a video screen and see if it's the right color. And, um, you know, you make the best decisions you can at the time uh, we all experienced this. I think it's amazing what everybody in the industry was able to to achieve, um, but certainly put put a little hit on those special projects that we were building, and we thought might be coming earlier this year, and they're going to be a little further out. Um, I,
0: I, I I asked that question poorly, Dan. I mean, have you, have you been down to as period just ever? Have you been down to the factory in Esteli ever? Or I've been to a lot of people's factories, but I've never been to our own that's what I thought. Okay. So I have a question just keep a pin in this, but I, I want, I want to segue off of your, 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 your thought there, because the, 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 the three projects that you all are actually, you know what, let's keep that one. Cause that was a great, that was a great point. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place, but so the, 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 the consensus that I've heard, and I have experienced this too down in factories is that cigars smoke, the cigars smoke amazing here in the United States, but they smoke so much better in nicaragua honduras the dominican are we all of that same opinion too
2: yes (laughs) absolutely yep
0: dan your dan your thoughts other factories that you've been to they 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 smoke better down there than they have up
1: here everything tastes great when you're in the caribbean right okay it's hard you know you changes in latitudes changes in attitudes (laughs) okay so with that
0: right so with so with that that's a that's a frustrating point right you're like you're down there you're smoking they're Phenomenal, and then you come back and they're different, not worse, not terrible, just different. Right. So now that we've had now with COVID, we've had the situation different. Now we don't have that experience. Now we're getting a product here first before we get to try it. And so we don't have that experience of trying it. So how did that change you all? Like, did that, did that enter into your, your, your process at all? Did that, that the fact that, oh, I'm, I'm tasting the opposite end of this normal experience I'm used to. Did, did that, did that come across to any of y'all? I'm curious. I
2: mean, I mean not, not for me necessarily, because like I said, I had already worked on those, those cigar, you know, a couple projects right. before COVID had, had dropped. So I knew what those are going to be. Um, but I'm also lucky because, you know, me and James have a different kind of relationship. Um, you know, we've, we've known each other for a long time. He knows what I'm going for. Me and him have, you know, pretty similar palates. Um, and, you know, if I, you know, he, if he tells me, hey, dude, this ain't what you were going for, then he, and I know that he knows what I'm talking, you know, he knows what I'm going for. And maybe we need to go back to the drawing board or let it rest for a little bit. Um, you know, I have, I have utter trust in him in that because, you know, we've been doing stuff like this for so long and we have so many similarities and commonalities in, in, in that area. So for me, it wasn't a huge stress uh, because of that partnership I have um, and because I've already, you know, did some of this stuff uh, pre COVID.
0: Uh, spoilers, Ben, because we're going to have you and James back on the show here in a few weeks to talk about your relationship. So let's, you know, spoilers, spoilers. Okay, <laughs> um, but uh, no, that's that's. That, but that is, that is a great point. Like when you have that kind of different partnership, it it it, it obviously it, it it created a different context for you. Um, da, uh, Dan, Brad, w- w- your thoughts? What that the the reverse of of this normal of this normal smoking experience? What 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 were y'all thoughts?
3: Danny, you want me to take this first? Yeah, sure. So I, I would say that it, it eliminates that, that first experience that you talked about where everything smokes great in, in Nicaragua, Honduras, wherever you're making your cigars, and it gets you to the next point. So I would always, you know, you smoke, uh, let's say, five really good cigars in, in Honduras. You go, okay, I want five bundles of that. I'll take it, you know, you know, ship it to the office. And then a month later, you smoke that, you're like, all right, now I got two or three good cigars, you know, so now we're, we're eliminating. And so that that just eliminates part of the process where you don't have to be at the factory and working on the blend then and there. Um, so it actually is a bit of a help where you just you get your five cigars, you know what you do or don't like without the expectations of. Oh, I know I really like this when I smoked in Honduras, and I know I kind of like that one when I smoked in Honduras. It gets rid of that whole thing, so it actually makes <laughs> it makes your life a whole lot easier. You didn't have to maybe spend a trip going down there, um, but you know that's not the only reason that we go down. Is not just to blend; it's to catch up on on production and see how quality is going and and planning for uh, for the future. So that all comes into play. You know, blending is just a part of it. So it actually is. I think mid our lives a little bit easier but then you don't get that creativity that back and forth of hey try this or don't do that so you you uh gain something positive and and having to lessen your expectations of what a cigar might be um but then you lose out on on cigars that could be because you're not down there
1: dan your thoughts so, so maybe we do things a little different, I don't know. Um, we actually build, we've built a library of blends that we keep here in Texas. And you know we, we have, I don't know, 20 cigars that we look at for each potential year as to where we're going. And so our goal is for the cigar to taste like it should when it goes to the consumer. And maybe I, I just don't have the experience yet, but what's been working for us is that we have the blend library here in Texas and we were able to pick cigars out of the blend library. And we trust our partners, the Gomez Sanchez family to replicate that. So it, it really, we focus the most on what, what the consumer should taste in the end. And having the library here, a little different process. Um, the one thing that, that's kind of funny that we don't always have, and that we usually make our second set of samples on is if we change the Vitola from what's in the library. and our, our process seems to be working really well. We were able to uh, finish the MacDalia SE, which was uh, a great hit for us, and we have one coming this September. And it was interesting because we, we did get our second and third round of samples, and we were able to make a determination that we love the blend, everything's great, we needed to just bump up the strength just a hair. And that was something that we were able to communicate to the family there, and we know that they're going to be able to reproduce it the way we want it based on the samples we've had since that
0: conversation. Yeah, your, your, your situation, Dan, you really is unique because there's the, this, this library that you're talking about is, 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 I mean, is, well, I mean, let's just call it what it is. I, I mean, I think it's completely different than the way everybody does it. I think it's incredibly <laughs> we unique. We don't um,
1: know how people do it. So we, we came up with our own approach, right? There you go. And I, I think that, uh, but I, uh, I
0: think, I think that has to be a very unique experience, right? For you, see, like you, you since you have these library of blends locally and then to see them not, recreated it's probably an unfair word, but created, you know, on a on a larger scale, um, considering your, your background, seeing things from, you know, concept to mass project, we all have experience with that. I, I, that has to be an incredibly unique and a I, joyous I probably, experience. Well,
1: I call it flighting cigars. It's how we built software. You know, you, you bring them up here, you taste the different combinations and you fly them. You hope you can get them to some retailers to get their feedback. And that's a process we've been doing. It's also driven by the, the FDA and the predicates. You know, we want to make sure that for every cigar we build, we have a legal strategy that goes with it.
0: Awesome. The, um, So, so to that, to that, to that point about blends and then becoming projects to fruition, and I want to take Dan's point from a second ago about packaging. Um, I want to talk about all three of y'all's, uh, 2020 in the context of the, y'all had three major, all of you had a major release. Now, Dan, you had uh, the the background, what I'm smoking right now, currently the McAuliffe was the major release. Uh, for your company in 2020, uh, and what a, a grand, what a grand entrance into the market it was. Uh, speaking of unique, an incredibly unique entrance into the market. And then on top of it, I mean, the, uh, and I'll get into this with the other two, with you other two gentlemen too. Lights out on the packaging, just, just gorgeous. Um, from, 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 you know, from top to bottom, the way the cigar looks, without the label, the label, the box, everything is just you know i mean talk us touch us talk us through Bear, this whole process yeah
1: yeah barry you're, you're being overly generous because there's one thing we didn't do really well um we we were able to design the bands and we've got a great partner in estalee that does bands for us so we were really confident that we would be able to to pull off this beautiful band the naming took place with the ambassador community of course which uh when you've got 5000 board of directors who are ready to provide you feedback that that was a great way for us to, to build something that really represented the essence of the company. But the the band, the design work took place in here. The, the printing partner in Estelle did a beautiful job. They they really wowed us. And we had seen some of their work on some of our other bands, and we thought that they would be able to execute on what we designed. But the one area that we really had challenges is boxes. You know, and that's an example that I'm sure everybody on the the discussion tonight boxes were a real challenge for us and in the with the a we've been so blessed by our retailers to understand that it's challenging we're moving most of this product in boxes we will eventually get caught up um, when we do have the box it's beautiful but uh it's something that you know we should we should be have many more boxes out there than we do today so
0: the um the uh, the inscribed in the inscribed in the back of the label um actually there's two there's two inscriptions Uh, so under the underneath the a is the mccallifay a celebration of our ambassadors because this cigar was the name because it was originally released as the to be named the to be named that's right the tbn the to be named and you all um crowdsource i mean for you know not to not to give it a you know a, an unsexy term, no, we, but you guys crowdsourced, crowdsourced the it. name. That's yeah, right. crowdsourced the name, and uh, and uh, and that was that was a unique process in itself because unfortunately the name that got chosen had legal ramifications against it. So, right. so you had to you had to pivot on that. But, um, but do you know how beautiful it and,
1: was when we decide? Yeah. Well, sure. So when the 2BN was launched, it didn't have a name. And ambassadors embraced it. Our retail partners embraced it. Uh, We sold more than we'd ever imagined. We sold out incredibly fast. The feedback came in and we set it up. We had one list, which was just uh, uh, fun names that we could never really ever use. But we had a place to hear the spirit and creativity of the ambassador community. Then the other was the more serious list. And it turned out that another brand had a, had a trademark on it. And uh, that's an example of sometimes you've got to overcome that obstacle because there's a constraint. And when we started designing and, and thought about the simplicity of A as the name for the ambassadors, we fell in love with it. Um, I, We love the way the band looks. We love what it represents. And that's how we were able to go to market with our ambassadors naming it and celebrating them. And underneath the, uh, the main
0: label is another inscription with a uh, image of, of two hands shaking. It's uh, two families, one legacy. Uh, well, talk to us about that, Dan.
1: Well, we're, we're in a very special relationship with the Gomez Sanchez family who've been building cigars for almost 75 years. They escaped Cuba like, like many of the other greats in the cigar industry. And candidly, their family had some challenges and they weren't able to establish a brand that, that was solely theirs. But they're, but they're magnificent blenders. And as we met the Gomez Sanchez family and began discussing what was possible, you know, the Reserva was the first one that they built for us. We said, what else could we do? And you know, across all the McAuliffe family and Al McAuliffe, all of his businesses often have partners associated with it. So for us, it was a very natural relationship to put together and to say the McAuliffe family and the Gomez Sanchez family you know, building a great legacy together.
0: So is the 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 McAuliffe A something that we're uh, this is a two-part question, Dan. Is the McAuliffe A something that we're gonna see expand in terms of growth as a brand? Or and or are you planning other again crowdsourced projects in the future?
1: Well the, the answer to both is yes. And there there's we This is the project, we had a project that didn't get done because of COVID. I'd probably be rolled out in 2022, uh, where where we have a very ambitious plan that we we want to do with the ambassadors. the McAuliffe A, what we refer to it as, we have two product lines, the legacy line and the bold line. And in the legacy line, it's a blend in that line.
0: Terrific. Terrific, I, I I you know you know for all the you know for all the flack that you took about the name because it's not an A quote unquote and everything uh, <laughs>
1: um,
0: I ha- I have to say that this 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 cigar that I'm smoking is just is is, is truly fantastic it's uh I I was an elegante crema um guy for the longest time when it came to McAuliffe stuff but I I mean I am I'm a full convert now this is this is hands down my favorite McAuliffe cigar and that's saying well, something because you. you guys have quite the portfolio thank you. Um, so shifting over to, uh, to Ben. So Ben, you had a, you speaking of unique, you had a very unique launch as well, because it was a, it was like a three for one, the rant rave and tirade. Um, now for those who may be living under rocket not realize you, you purchased dissident the brand and you've kind of revamped all the lines that were, or brand lines that were in and blends and everything has kind of been revamped and I, you know, you've changed the identity of it. It's, it's, it's yours. Um, but Durant Raven tirade was different because these were not brands under the old dissident. This was something different. I thought you, I would like for you to share with the audience.
2: Yeah. They were the names of their Vitolas that they had, um, for block and soapbox. And what I did, is I ended up making them their own unique blends, uh, and, you know, separate from, uh, from just Vitolas. Uh, so yeah, I went back to the drawing board, um, kind of kept close to, you know, some of the same Vitolas, but just new blends to them and just made it, you know, made an identity for each one on its own.
0: So why release as a trifecta? What was the, what was the thought process there? You know, did you just want to get three lines on the, uh, on the market at the same time? And because they had this unique kind of um, cohesiveness
2: that they just worked together? Yeah. I mean, I think it made sense, right. right, The, you know, release these three together i wanted to do it anyways you know and i'm trying to grow my portfolio as well too you know um i don't want to just release you know one new cigar each year when i have the capability uh going down there and found created some three unique blends i'm like you know i can do it then i'll do it all at once um that was just my my idea behind it and they're three distinctly different blends as well too They certainly are. Can
0: everyone hear me? Okay. My connection got a little wonky there for a second. Okay. Um, so the, you know, with the rant Ravens, I being so distinct and everything, were you worried at all about them standing on their own as individual brands and not as this collective unit or, or, you know, or because of their uniqueness, you knew that they could stand alone.
2: Yeah. Because of their uniqueness, I knew they could stand alone. You know, again, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow the portfolio. Um, so I, I intentionally wanted them to be three different ones. Uh, yeah, they're, they they go together in a sense, rant, rave, tirade, that cohesiveness. But, you know, I also want them to shine on their own. You know, I know it's just how it is in the industry. You know, some people like Connecticut's, you know, more so than anything else. So they're going to gravitate probably more so toward the rave. You know, some people like that, you know, that strong, uh, deeper flavors to it and they're you know, rant you know going to be right up their alley. You know, or you know, or the tirade uh, if they want a little bit more of that spicy kick. You know, the San San Andreas. You know, um, so I was I was I wanted them to stand on their own, and I want them to hit different uh, different demographics in in, in, the, in the in the cigar industry as well.
0: Was because I am totally guilty of this. Uh, having this discussion, like which one do you like better? blah 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 blah, but like you said, there're these individual things. so how many how many times
2: have you had that discussion with consumers? Uh, I mean quite I mean quite a bit. Um, you know everybody has their favorites, of course, right? And you know that's I knew that I knew that going in, you know that's why you know I, I blended them the way I did. I, of course, I wanted to like them you know um, I think the one that I really didn't care if people liked at all really was the rant. I mean I was just someone that I loved, uh, when, when we blended it and, you know, that was just kind of something I wanted to do for me personally, um, have on the market, you know, that, that, that one is really a representation of kind of my, my, my palette. Um, but I, of course I love all, all three of them. I wouldn't have released them if I, I didn't like them. Um, but, uh, yeah, each you know different areas, different you know places throughout the United States. Different people like you know it's weird how the United States is kind of like that, right? Like you know certain areas like certain flavor profiles more than others. So of course, some of them might do better in other areas, uh, vice versa. But uh, it's they've been a hit.
0: I uh, you know I know we were talking about this uh, before the show, Dan. I forgive me. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but uh, Dan and I just have just fell in love with the rave. Uh, I mean, I think that cigar.
1: Absolutely. I,
0: Thank you. Did it catch you off guard, Dan? Cause it, it certainly caught like the, the, like when I hear Connecticut shade, you know, you have those, you have those, those, those stereotypes in your head. And I, I know for the most part, you, you tend to enjoy those more mild or nuanced cigars and I've come to like them as well. But I mean, the, 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 I mean, just the God, the flavor out of that cigar just caught me off guard and just how, how just, Overwhelm not over- overwhelming has such a negative connotation but just overwhelm the palate with just this this complexity
1: that I just really enjoyed. Yeah I thought I thought it was really exciting. you know we have a Connecticut in our line that's mm-hmm. uh, more ravish than most Connecticuts but Ben I, I thought that your cigar is just magnificent and it's definitely one of the ones I smoke in my regular rotation.
2: I oh, appreciate it. Thank you. I think the box press adds a, a unique quality to it as well, too. You know, I think that mm-hmm. really opened it up um, with, with that, you know, that overwhelming aspect that you just talked about a little bit. Um, that kind of went with what I was going for. You know, um, I've, you know I'm one of those guys. I like very distinct flavors. You know, I want you to taste what you're smoking. You know, uh, so that's how I kind of blend. You know, that's kind of how I eat food as well, too. You know, I like, I like flavor. <laughs>
0: Ben, we we've had this discussion before about the, the identity of dissident to be like this very punk rock ish in nature. And, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about the, the, the packaging with the a specifically a moment ago. Um, But like that's something that I, I really have enjoyed about the, the, even in the short term, the evolution of dissident is that you've, you've kind of, you've really held that identity through all your brands, but at the same time you can, you can see the differences in each single one. Um, is that is that is that important to you going forward as well?
2: Yeah, you know, I military background, so I do like a sense of uniformity. You're right, but you know, I'm one of those guys that grew up listening to punk and grunge and and you know the uniqueness uh, that that those kind of that genre has, right? Um, and I want to impart that as well into Dissident. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, two dichotomies and, and, and one, right? Uh, and, and, and one brand. And I, I want to keep that going forward. Uh, you, you're going to see more of that. Uh, as you know, if you saw like what when I did block, soapbox and home, the styles were very different in, you know, the fonts and everything. Brand, I kind of brought that uniformity a little bit tighter, um, but really distinguished in the
0: blends the, 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 the differentiation in each one so Brad moving over to you, you uh, speaking of packaging you had a very unique story with your major release uh, in 2020 which was the the cigar you showed off earlier and the cigar that I showed off earlier which was the consugi mm-hmm. um, uh, um I think where we can all agree. I don't know. Has everyone, has everyone on the panel seen this, this box? I I saw you reaching for it, Brad. I was hoping you'd be reaching for it. Has everyone seen this box? Yeah. This, uh, this is, this is incredible, but there's a story behind this, Brad. I want you to share it. I know you shared it with my audience before, but for those who missed out and maybe the two gentlemen haven't heard how this came to fruition, listen to this guys.
3: So Kintsugi the, the story of Kintsugi is an, an ancient Japanese art form of piecing back broken pottery, so bowls and, and plates. And instead of using some you know glue, they would use gold lacquer so that the cracks show um, when everything is put back together. And the, the deeper meaning is that uh, there's beauty and the imperfections or that your scars kind of make you who you are. Um, but when we were trying to Figure out, you know, how does this relate to cigars whatsoever? Because I've <laughs> heard people ask, what does that have to do with cigars? Um, we, at the time when we were making this, we saw the cigar industry kind of go into a uh, uh, become very fragmented. We saw people leave the trade show. We saw people on different sides of the uh, of what's going on with regulation, and so we saw that the, our industry was falling apart and that we were not strong together. So. Um, We thought, you know, what is the gold lacquer that brings us all back together? What is the glue? And naturally, we all like, oh, it's the cigar. We all love cigars. That's what makes our industry so great. It's the passion for tobacco and enjoying cigars with one another. But I think that COVID has brought us a whole lot closer together. I mean, Dan uh, said something earlier about their, um, what was it, on the record or off the record? Off the record. Off the record (laughs) that they did. I I was on it. I know a bunch of other people were on it. We were all on each other's shows. We were all, you know, we were on, all three of us were on a, about a year ago today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were all doing shows together, talking the same language, being a part of one another's companies because we all respect and appreciate each other. So that was really the, the meaning of Kintsugi, um, why we decided to do it, why I thought it was special. And so we won the box and the band took emulate what the what the true meaning of it is so we you know made sure that the cracks go all the way around the box even the little side of the lid gets you know just that little bit of detail because the details matter and you dan and, and ben know that and in, in making their own cigars and their own packaging that every little detail matters and you want everything to be just perfect so thank you for hearing my mush feel.
0: No, no. And speaking of perfection, I'm going to go a little further here, Brad. Because, and this is back to your point about being stubborn. That was not the original brainchild, right? That that you no. you, you you scrapped the original project.
3: Yeah. So, so we told everyone that we uh, that Kensugi took a long time to release because of COVID, which was partially true. But the other half of it was that we had worked so long on on another you know, bend another box. And at some point, my, my father kind of tripped in my ear and was like, Hey, I don't, I think you should kind of reevaluate. And so I did. And I had to like talk to my brother say, Hey, I think we should, we should scrap it. We should like, we're, we're so far off on what Kintsugi actually means. The packaging has nothing to do with Kintsugi. It's just Japanese themed. So we restarted over and it took us another six months to finish it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I looked at Alec, I was like, are you happy with the decision that we both made? And he said, I, you know, I am. He's like, it was, it was, uh, it was hard for me to hear that from you. You know, we were basically done. We were still, we were almost done with the blend. The packaging was done. So like you pushed us back a whole another six months. So I hate you for it, but <laughs> we'll be, but what we got in the end is so much better than what it was. So I was happy that he at least saw that it's okay to to wait and be patient because that was the lesson that I learned. Um, and what you get in the end is better than what you started with.
0: Because I had a unique opportunity um... – and and I hope I'm not uh, stepping on any toes here, Brad. But I had the unique opportunity to to taste Kintsugi before uh, before this release. So I, I, there was a pre-release band that I really liked. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I love the new band. Um, and I, I don't know if that was just a pre-release band that you put together, or if that was part of the original pass package that got scrapped. Um, but this is this is this is sensational. I mean, I mean, it's gorgeous. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so that that wasn't a part of the original packaging. Um, we just wanted the pre-release bands to have an idea of what konsugi was, and it wasn't anything fancy. But the with how the new Kintsugi band came out, uh, came out, um, I, I couldn't be happier with it. And you know, I was I was just on my trip in Pittsburgh, and I got to see, finally see these cigars on shelves in person, and I've I, I've never been more proud to see you know, see my brand up in a, in a humidor, like you go and you see it on the shelf and you're like, I, I couldn't help but smile. Um, so, uh, I, I just want every, you know, next project to be as exciting and, um, to be as proud of it as the last one. And I don't know if that could happen. That that would be nice. I don't know <laughs> that it will, but, um, you know, seeing that on the, on the shelf was more important than than seeing Gatekeeper on the shelf. Um, It just, it made me very happy just to see the final product up there.
0: So I'm gonna do something very dangerous here and I'm gonna speak for all three of you for a second, but feel free to correct me if what I'm about to say is incorrect uh, or outside of what you're feeling. But I I have a feeling that all three of you would answer this question. How did your your respective companies do in 2020? And I think the answer would be very well. It went very. It was a very good year for our companies. Um, like I said, feel free to re- to correct me, but I that's that's my that's I'm me speaking for you. And but what I'd like to hear is whether I'm wrong. Uh, but I'd also like to hear your thoughts on. Were you surprised at the result of what 2020 resulted, considering all the challenges that we saw, from COVID? Um, Brad, I'll kick it back to you since we we just ended with you.
3: Um yeah so I'm um, uh, business itself was was great you know uh demand for cigars was i think at an all time high in probably the past you know decade um but going back to what i talked about before production was was slow so i think everyone here was a little frustrated um i i think when <laughs> Can you you kind of just repeat that last part? I got caught up in what I was just...
0: Were you you surprised? What were you surprised uh, with or or were you surprised on how how well it did considering the challenges?
3: I I was because I I think we all figured at some point this has got to slow down. Like, why is everyone smoking so, so many cigars? Why is everyone so excited for new cigars? So I think... I was expecting it to slow down. I I didn't think that, that people at this point were gonna want us to come out for events. So, um, you know, are, are we lucky to be in, in, in an industry that has um, grown since COVID? Yeah, it it, I, it feels weird saying though. It feels weird to be like, yeah, we had a great year, while. Most of, the, most of the country, if not the world, had a terrible year. Um, so it's, it's sad and it's good all at the same time. Um, but, you know, we're, we're already lucky to be in an industry that is accepting, that is right now thriving, uh, that are open to new people joining the industry. So um, I think we're, we're all in a pretty unique situation at this point.
2: Ben, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely surprised me, right? And I think there was a lot of, you know, like I was already stated, you know, there's, of course, there's frustrations, right? Uh, new challenges you have to kind of overcome. Um, but uh, we did, we did, we, had, you know, our crew really rose to those challenges. i uh, really proud of what they were able to accomplish, um, you know, with, with kind of different formats that, you know, we had to roll out, um, and, you know, and, and the kind of restrictions that we had, we, we, we did, we did, we did a really well job considering what was going on in, in the world. So, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for it, you know, um, you know, would we all like it to have been a little bit different? Of course, but, uh, and I, I really have no complaints, um, and, and, and on that, on that side of things, uh, I'm looking forward to what the next year is going to bring. I think, you know, new challenges will arise. Um, I think we'll see, and, and, you know, especially, you know, later in this year in 2022, but uh, I'm confident, you know, if we're able to get past what this past year was like uh, with all those kind of, you know, uh, unforeseen uh, circumstances uh, coming coming to play, uh, you know, I think, we're, you know, we're going to keep trucking, you know, with factories at max capacity right now, um, uh, He's still rolling cigars, still selling, still still shipping. People are still enjoying them. People are buying them up still. Uh, I'm grateful. I'm 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 very very grateful because it could have been like you know like I said other people in other industries, they mean suffering a lot of challenges from the auto industry and they have an inventory shortage and you know it's 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 harder times there. But for you know for the cigar industry, you know uh, looking at everything, I'm I'm really proud of it.
0: Dan, I'm going to come to you in a second, but uh, I'm going to steal a question from uh, a good friend of yours, Bob Aiken, who's in the chat right now. He said, do you guys think that uh, the lockdown helped sales? So, Ben, do you think lockdown actually helped the sales for Dissident?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, people were more at home, right? So uh, they were able to really get on more hearse and listen to more podcasts and and do more research on, on uh, new, different products that were out there. And they had more time to enjoy them, right um, talking to a lot of retailers who very you know who adapted very quickly themselves, some of them who didn't have online presence, you know quickly had a you know online retail site up very quickly to to service that need you know um, so I think with all that you know with those combinations of things, uh, I definitely saw an uptick you know
3: Oh,
0: absolutely. Dan, you've spoken a lot tonight about the uniqueness of your team, the uniqueness of your company, and you talked about, you know, t- we talked earlier about, you, you know, you guys taking the, the quote-unquote leash off of your team and letting them be themselves with all these new endeavors. What surprised you, or have you already said it?
1: Oh, we we were really pleasantly surprised for the entire industry to have a great year, you know, and I'm very empathetic to the retailers. Who had challenges in the states that they were in, and and we lost some retailers. But as a whole, it was a very good year for all of us, and you know that's built a lot of momentum for us. Our sales team has built stronger relationships with our customers, and on the factory side, we've uh, we've grown our factory substantially. So it was it was a very good year, and this is a building to be another good year. Sure.
0: So, gentlemen, the premise last year, when I, the reason I brought the three of you on specifically at the time, and we kind of got into this great discussion, was that the three of you all took a very different but incredible approach to helping, lend a helping hand, to uh, whether that be your customers, the retailers, the consumers themselves, people in the factories. There was all sorts of hands being pitched in, and 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 Dan, you, you've been. Uh, you, you've been on the receiving end of my compliment. I think that McAuliffe uh, overall uh, did probably the most impressive job overall of, of really engaging with consumers, engaging with retailers, working with their production team in the factory. I think overall, it was just a really impressive organization and or, an organized effort and everything. Um, you know, how has, that, how has that continued
1: and how has it changed? Well, for us, anytime you go through a challenge together, uh, you're either going to fall down and implode or galvanize as the whole organization. And, you know, we we think of three key constituents, the people that work for us here in the States and in the factory. And we have growth in the factory. We have growth here in the States. And then we've got our retailers and we've got the ambassador and consumers. And all three of those are moving in a very positive direction. So it's, it's been a Great period of of overcoming challenges. Indeed. So, Brad, when I had when
0: I when you and I were having this discussion, which sparked the whole purpose for this panel originally, you were talking about the 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 amazing efforts that you guys were doing for your team down in the factories. You guys were supplying food and necessities to the the employees of your factory and everything. Um, How long is that, is that still continuing today or how long did that, how long did that project go on? And is that something you see your team continue to do, you know, until things kind of stabilize a little bit?
3: So, so that only went on for a few months until, um, until our factory opened back up and everyone was, was back to work at full capacity. Um, so that was about for three or four months until, you know, we had full rollers and, Everyone working in the fields and, and the barns again um so as of now it's it stopped well, it did stop, and then um on more of a different note, we had three of our four curing barns in, in Honduras burned down a few weeks ago, so anyone that um was working in conjunction with the curing barns and the tobacco um they will all be still they will all still be getting paid until the curing barns are rebuilt again, and then they're back to work as well. I love how
0: we're all on the same page. That's exactly the next thing I was going to bring up, Brad. Um, I mean, I, I, first of all, I love I, I, what a calming presen- presence it was to hear from your father on this. He was quoted in that article on Cigar Fish Aficionado saying how, you know, like, you know, and, and this was something that another another brand owner, Steve Saka, brought up. Was that a lot of other people in the same situation would take advantage of the empathy, so to speak, and 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 really turn it into a you know an, an empathetic galvanization for sales, or for for lack of a better term, but. That was something that I, I he really appreciated, and I really appreciated when I read that the, the, your your father, the calming presence of your father, Alan, who kind of stood there and said, you know, this you know this is a setback for sure, but the most important thing was nobody was hurt, and this was this was tobacco that's for production years out, and you have the opportunity to to replace it, uh, very soon, and 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 it it should not affect, and actually he said will not, it will not affect production in any way um when you first heard that i don't know if you heard that before you read it brad or or if you heard it before what when you saw it or heard it from him like wh- wh- how did that make you feel as being a part of the company as you are
3: well seeing <clears throat> first i was i was sent the pictures just like the night before like it was i think 11 or 12 at night and my father had sent the pictures of, of what happened and it was like Mind-blowing, devastating. Like you know, who knows what this is going to do to us and do to the people that that work there. Um, and then, just uh, I didn't even hear it from my father. I heard it from from Cigar which not like everyone else. Like you know, this isn't going to affect production. It's not going to affect the prices. Um, you know, so we're we're fortunate in that regards. I heard it just like everyone else. But I was, you know, I was. Happy to to hear that. Um, I was happy to see Steve Saka's post of him saying, you know, uh, other people would take advantage, but you know, it's great to hear that that Alec Bradley and that Alan Rubin is not. I I personally thanked them. My father personally thanked them. I saw people reaching out to me or reaching out to Alec Bradley because they run our social media for you know forty eight hours, saying, hey, if you need anything, we're here. You know, we're sorry to hear about what happened. You know, we're here to support you guys. Um, so it was nothing but but kind things from from consumers, from retailers, from other manufacturers that were reaching out to us all day. Um, but then you had the people that were saying, hey, like, you know, expect Alec Bradley cigar prices to, to go up, you know, next year and the year after that. And so <laughs> my whole day was spent, you know, commenting, reaching out to people saying, hey, by the way this isn't affecting production. So you're still getting your cigars at the same price you were, you know, that you are now. So, um, but the, the overall message is that everyone was so kind, so nice to reach out. And we're lucky that this, you know, isn't really going to affect us so much.
0: It's wonderful. Yeah, I I, I, I I, actually reached out to both you and your brother um in the days afterwards when I first heard about it just to make sure that everybody was okay because that was the most important thing it was it was such a relief that was the first thing that came to mind is just like and this is already this has already been a rough year for Honduras COVID the hurricanes and then now this um I mean what a but you know it, it was just you know from from where I sat just as a as a consumer at that point to just to read the calming words from your father, and and to hear that nobody was hurt was certainly uh, was certainly a huge positive takeaway from that.
3: Yeah, absolutely, the most important thing.
0: So, so Ben, moving over to you. So, you you took a different approach, uh, and I, I think you were one of the fastest to respond uh, in terms of COVID, which is why I wanted to have you on the show last year. Um, you made the decision very quickly. To help out your retailers as quickly as possible, and that was to do a uh, kind of pre-release is the wrong word, but to do a uh, Rambling, a sneak right? a sneak peek, uh, yeah. I guess, if you will, uh, of of Home 2020, the cigar I'm going to be lighting up here in a little bit, um, and you released that uh, to a select group of of retailers first to try to 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 speed up cash flow for some retailers to get some to get some money in the door and everything. Um, how did that project ultimately pan, pan out for you uh, and your and your retail partners? And is that something that you know you know? Hopefully, we don't have to repeat the same situation again. But is that something that you see yourself doing again, perhaps, to to to, to help out your partners?
2: Uh, I don't. I hope I don't have to do it in the same kind of capacity. Of course, um, you know. I, I think it was really well received. I think you know a lot of those retailers utilized it. For exactly what the intent was, you know, and I think they appreciated it because um, it kept, you know, the excitement, right? You know, it keep it keeps people. You know, the perception is to keep people engaged in the industry, right? Um, and I think a lot of them did exactly that with it, uh, try to keep kind of some sense of of normalcy in a way, right? Um, you know, when you're, and you know, some of those shops, they they went through some hard times, but. but they still, you know, uh, survived the this whole ordeal. A lot of them adapted differently and used you, you know, utilized uh, uh, new avenues to re- reach out to customers. Um, and uh, you know, glad to see. It. I hope I don't, like I said, I hope I don't have to do something like that uh, in the in the same format again. Um, but if I ha- if I have to, of course, I mean, retailers are a backbone. You know, want to support those that support you, and you want to keep their doors open because if they keep their doors open. Um, then you're still in business and it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship we have in this industry that I think, you know, sometimes people forget about, but um, you know, this, we, we got, you know, we're in it together. This, this is what, what it's about. You know, um, if if any way I can always help my retailers out, I'm definitely going to do it. Um, And uh, you know, like I said, it was, it was well-received. They, they, they utilize it for what it needed to be done. And uh, you know, if I got to do it again, I'll do it, you know, help them out. Did, did it have the,
0: the, the, the positive result that you were hoping for or yeah, did it a lot exceed of them, expectations?
2: Yeah. A lot of them sold out of that thing as soon as they got it, you know? Um, so it did really give some of that immediate cash flow that they needed in their, in their registers. Um, and you know, there, there were some shops that, you know, they, they were able to, you know, that, that cash flow probably helped them out another week or two, um, uh, and probably used it to set up that online site that helped them through the rest of uh, the rest of this whole ordeal, you know. Um I'm not here to tell anybody how to run their business, but I you know, by by all by all the looks of it and, and talking to a lot of retailers, uh they they all definitely appreciated it and and they they utilized it uh to to grow their business uh or to sustain their business during this time, so.
0: Now Dan y- McAuliffe Cigar cigars obviously a different scale than dissident but you guys took this same kind of concept and applied it for McAuliffe as well with the unlimited inventory program um, you know how successful was that endeavor and is it continuing today as well
1: yeah ultimate inventory was a way for retailers to be able to sell whatever skewer product that we had and then we delivered it to the customer for them and across the country there were there were different uh, amounts of uptake. Uh, specifically in the Northeast and some areas where people couldn't go into their shops. It was very welcome. And just like Ben said, you know, I think he hit it exactly right. Anything we could do to help them with their cash flow, uh, we were certainly at the mindset that that's what we wanted to accomplish. And our ultimate inventory program, it allows the the retailer to sell the box, take the cash right away, and then we settle up with them 30 days later. So it's all about accelerating uh, cash into their pocket up front. The second thing that we did, which was uh, a sales program, instead of uh, the trade show, nobody knew where it was going to go. We'd already made our decision that it wasn't right for us last year. We took the approach that um, we we wanted customers buying the right amount that they could afford. So we created a program where they could have multiple purchases at trade show like uh, discounting levels so that they didn't have to feel like, well, to get some target You know, rebate or discount. They were able to to buy the right amount for them that that month, and then they'd have other opportunities through the year to be able to do the same. So we we tried to work it on a couple different fronts for for the retailers. So Brad, I think
0: you're you're probably too you, you know, I I feel like you're you would probably be too humble to admit this, but I heard from several retailers across the country how you either specifically or members of your family and team took a very similar approach, but more personalized and tailored to each individual account. Um, it, 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 how, how did that, uh, how did that necessarily paint out for you? And, and, and again, is that something that you're continuing today? I
3: mean, it's, it's hard to do everything on a, on a small level to tailor it to every account. Um, you know, we all, I think, kind of took our, we we, we want to listen to our team. They are our eyes and ears. They're, you know, our representatives of our company. So if they say, hey, we need this person, like, hey, they need some product, um, but someone else in the other ter- ter- territories completely shut down and, and they can't even sell cigars. They can't even do curbside. We want to listen to our team and figure out how do we best help serve our customers? And for us, obviously we have a, we have a big online, you know, business. Um, but we want to support our brick and mortars because they are, you know, they're the heart and soul. They drive online. So we want to make sure that we're serving brick and mortar at all times. And there's always uh, I I don't want to say a conflict, but you have to figure out what's best for you and what's best for the industry. And that is getting product out to brick and mortar because without them, we're nothing. Um, so it was, let's dedicate, you know, X amount of product to brick and mortar so we make sure that we're serving them and that, that the online's will be fine. Everyone's t- online is doing just fine. We don't need to take care of them because everyone's ordering online. So for the people that are doing curbside, that are doing to-go bags, that have recently learned how to do an online shop, which uh, like, I, <laughs> like I've like i said before, this shoe we move slow. Um, not a lot of people have an online store if you're a, a a brick and mortar. So for the people that figured it out and learned how to do it, I'm, I'm so happy that, that they, that they do, because now they're going to have another source of income for their store. And like Ben saying, like, you know, he talked to multiple retailers that figured out, you know. Oh my gosh! I need an online store so people can ship cigar, get ship cigars, order them online, and come pick them up. I heard the same thing, and that's what that is what helped retailers so much during this time. Absolutely. Well, well, gentlemen, I I
0: really just I can't I can't thank you enough for coming back to talk about this year in review. Um, You know how far we've all come. You know, uh, both professionally and personally, um, during this time, or everything This isn't the end of the show, or anything, but it, it kind of does uh, encapsulate our our year in review discussion a little bit. We do have some more fun stuff to talk about here in a minute, but I really just again want to thank you, the three of you all, for coming back to to kind of relive uh, Take One Fifteen and 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 see how things have changed, how they continued successfully, and and how ultimately all three of y'all's companies had a has a had terrific twenty twenty.
3: Thank you, Bear.
0: appreciate it. So, so moving on to the, uh, what I call one of the, one of my favorite parts of the show. Uh, and um, and I think uh, I think all three of you, except for maybe Ben, have participated in this segment, um, which is our One Must Go. And as always, it's brought to you by United Cigars, featuring Lagiana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. So smoke one today and start living united now for those out there who haven't seen this portion of the show um this is this is a really this is a really fun take on uh basically i present my guest or guests in this case with three options and one's got to go and you're not off the hook you can't just give the answer it has to ha- you have to have some reasoning behind it because it's all about generating discussion um so to our point about 2020 being a an, an incredible journey uh and it was uh they are came to mind uh you know the the infamous robert frost poem of the road less traveled right and um we could sit here and talk about you know the road less traveled all you know for all all day and all night perhaps but it spun me over to another literary icon and that was Jules Verne now Jules Verne was a french novelist uh playwright and poet that uh penned m- many what we call classic novels of the late 19th century and they were all about journeys journeys of different kinds in fact one actually had journey in the title so we the 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 concept here is that uh not who's your favorite jules verne title or anything like that but which journey has to go so you're you are presented with going on these three journeys inspired by jules verne so which one goes which one are you not doing and why there's always the why So here are your choices, gentlemen. 20,000 leagues under the sea. Journey to the center of the earth. The epic tale of actually venturing to the, or the quest for finding the center of the world. Or spoiler alert, my personal favorite. Around the world in 80 days. So 80 days is a very short time, especially if we're spanning the globe, especially in late 19th century, there's a lot of trains. Speaking of, we're moving slowly, Brad the cigar industry um boats perhaps no airplanes no jets no cars a lot of on foot stuff like that so one must go gentlemen 20,000 leagues under the sea journey to the center of the earth and around the world in 80 days so brad i'm coming back to you which one's got to go and why are you not taking that journey
3: So I was was so hoping you weren't going to go to me first on this one because I really wanted to see what they had to say. (laughs) So I definitely know which one has to go because I don't exactly know what it is. But 20,000 Leagues, was it Under the Sea? I've never heard that. I've never heard that before. I don't exactly know what it means. Plus, Around the World in 80 Days was a very good movie. Um, So I'm into that. And then I think that, Journey to the Center of the Earth was also another movie that I've seen. So just due to the process of elimination, uh, because I don't know what 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is, I'm going to have to to nix that one.
0: So clearly Hollywood needs to take a note here. They need to remake 20,000 Leagues. There's a very old classic version of the film, but they need to remake this so Brad can get a hold of the concept. <laughs> Thank, a little you. Bit. Thank uh, you. So Brad, have you seen uh, Finding Nemo?
3: I have seen Finding Nemo.
0: Okay. So Nemo, the main character in the film Finding Nemo, M- Nemo is actually uh, named after the main character in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Captain Nemo is the main character in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And a league is a measurement, uh, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, it's a military measurement of, of distance yeah, nautical uh, measurement. Yeah, nautical forward. measurement of of distance. So twenty thousand leagues under sea level. So basically, journey to the center of the earth, but by but by water. Virtually, is the okay. is the difference. All right,
3: can I uh, can I ask the panel, Dan and Ben, did you guys both know what that was? Yes, Be honest. I did. All right. Uh, of all, right. Okay. Literary, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm, I'm,
2: a, I'm a literary nerd, so I read a lot of right.
3: books. So. Well, I just I just look like an idiot now. So thank you. Bear for throwing me under the bus first.
2: Well, I I think this is,
0: I think this exposes a great flaw in our American education system, Brad, that Jules Verne isn't required reading as it should be. So that is true. uh, So uh, I, I think I, 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 you know, you should you should feel bad for nothing, Brett, because I think the flaw is really on your teachers. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ben, thanks for helping me out on on that. See, that was something I didn't know for sure, Brad. I was taking not not a wild guess, but certainly a guess on uh, the the nautical measurement. Um, so, uh, Ben, being the literary nerd that you are, have you read all three Jules Verne novels?
2: Yes, at some point in my life, I have read all three of them. I think I read uh, Leagues when mm-hmm. I was like. Maybe 10 or 11 and then center of the earth i think somewhere around there too and then uh i can't remember when i read uh, around the world in Days, but yeah uh, sometime i'm like my grandmother had a huge book collection and she made me read all the time so yes i've read many many books <laughs> so which one's got to go uh journey to center of the earth because that shit's scary i mean like <laughs> You know, what's under the earth like methane, gas, lava, you know, like, and if you really go by what the book had in it, there's a whole bunch of other creepy, you know, subhuman people living, you know. So, um, I'd rather take the, the sea because I've always had a fascination with the sea, um, been really close to it, uh, and uh, around the world in 80 days. I mean, that I like traveling, so I would love to, love to go do that, but yeah, going to the center of the earth doesn't seem very appealing to me.
0: It'll be interesting to see if Dan disagrees with me on this, but I felt like around the world in the 80 days was a given for all of us on the panel, considering I think we all of us enjoy travel to some extent. Um, but Dan, Dan, please don't take this comment the wrong way, but I, I believe you are the senior member on this panel, um, but but not by much. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to kiss up here, but I, but not my much. You know, um, I, the question before you answer the question, uh, Has, has these concepts, have they, have they aged poorly as, as technology, since you are the tech guy too, as technology has light speeded from five years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, these concepts are, are they still as extraordinary as they were in the late 19th century in your mind, or even as they were maybe even 10, 15 years ago, or, or are they still kind of extraordinary adventures in the mind of the everyday person?
1: I don't know how to answer that. I'm not a pop culture guy. I think there's a lot of detachment from how amazing these journeys would be. Um, You're asking us to get rid of one going to the center of the earth or going 20,000 leagues under the sea are both terrifying to me. Um, You know, I think Jay Davis had a comment, 20,000 leagues, it puts you on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough call for this one, Bear. I think that I'm more afraid of fire and brimstone than I am water. So uh, for me, I think I, I would have to get rid of the center of the earth one. Awesome.
0: Amazing perspective there. So I, I was thinking about this as well around, as I teased earlier, around the world in 80 days, absolutely stays. I would love to take that journey. I would love to take that journey as it was in the book as well, you know, and um, I mean, I think there was a hot air balloon even involved yep. in there. And yep. I mean, I mean, what a, what a crazy adventure that would be uh, to travel to, to go around the entire globe in 80 days. I mean, I think that would just be an incredible, incredible story to tell, to pass down to my kids, my grandkids and so on. Um I, I i think I'm in agreement here. And I think is you know, I Brad, I put you on the spot with first. I think as you kind of heard these reasonings, I think you might may be changing your answer now too. But the journey to the center of the earth definitely scares me. And I i mean listen, I saw the Matrix and I know what happens to Zion, which is actually near the center of the earth, uh as well. And that's just not fun. So I I, I you know, I don't I don't want to die, you know, I don't want to die in a hail of bullets from the machines and the matrix and but I don't want to also be subject to like the, the methane gas and everything that Ben was telling me about. So I think journey to the center of the earth probably has to go for me as well.
3: I don't know. I don't know. Has anyone seen Godzilla vs. King Kong? May change your mind. It's a fair
0: point. Yes, I have. Yeah, absolutely. Fair point. Fair point. So,
3: so
2: Joe, the reason not to go for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bear back to your, to kind of the question that you set up for me, I do think a lot of people have lost the interest in the long form literature. You know, Ben, I'm, I'm in the same affliction you have. I just love it. Um, and it doesn't translate to the movie screen screen quite right. Uh, but people who take the time to enjoy those classics, they're going to love them.
0: I, I think so. Like I, I, you know, it was really funny. My my wife and I were awake last night as I was preparing for tonight's show. And this sh- question kind of spawned off of it because you know i like what i like to do when i work at night you know as i'm typing up notes for the show or doing research and um or whatever i happen to be doing in terms of work i like to throw on a movie that i've seen a thousand times just kind of as that white noise background and um so the first the first movie i threw on was a a john wayne classic rio bravo which i've seen a million times since i was a kid and my wife was like "Oh, rio bravo again i was like well i'm just putting it on i was like fine let's put it on she's like well it's can you put on something more cheerful? And I was like, fine. So I went to Netflix and I put on white Christmas. And she was like, she was like, what is it with you and old movies? I was like, well, it's the same thing with me and old books. I, I think, you know, they, they, they capture, they capture, you know, life that in a lot of ways, I wish still kind of existed today. That kind of, you know, just, you know, the concept of these three things, just even today, it's still just incredible. I think I mean, obviously, around the world in eighty days is obviously the most realistic, um, and it's even easier now. I mean, you could go around the world in what twenty four hours with an airplane, maybe
1: a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Depends what part of the world. You get up I'll on look, the North Pole. Depends on what kind of airplane. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: so, but. Um, but gentlemen, I really appreciate you kind of uh, having fun with this uh, this question. And uh, this was our One Must Go segment. As always, it's brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Gianna Havana uh, and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabe and Byron line. So smoke one today and start living united. So a take on this, gentlemen, you know, you know, adventure, journey, you know, you know, Brad's experience to this was film. We read these as books. It's. It's all the same thing, like these, these extraordinary adventures. Well, at one point, we were all boys. And we all had boyhood dreams. So here's our second curveball question for the night. What was the boyhood dream, gentlemen? Was it an astronaut? Was it a world explorer? Was it snake charmer? What was it? Because I, I sincerely doubt that all of us as boys, maybe Alan, uh, maybe brad at the you know you know in the shadow of Alan Rubin maybe be the closest to this, but uh, we're ever envisioning us in the cigar premium cigar industry, so what was the boyhood dream brad i'm gonna wait i'm gonna i'm gonna save you since I put you under the gun last time,
2: <laughs> Ben, we'll go to you first. what was the boyhood dream oh man this uh your your wife might appreciate this, I wanted to be a zookeeper, oh yes, <laughs> yeah.
1: She absolutely would.
2: Yeah, loved animals. I love learning about different kind of animals. Um, Yeah, I always was bringing home different critters, all that kind of stuff. So you know, that was. what animals did you bring home? Oh man, Uh, I think a squirrel one time. Lizards. Um, We once had a pet iguana. I once had a pet monitor lizard. I had uh, almost got a snake one time. Uh, Rabbits, had rabbits as pets. Not for very long. If
0: you had the snake.
2: No, 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 not, not uh, didn't get the snake. Almost got the snake. Um, gotcha. But I did bring home some snakes because uh, you know they were all over the place. But never kept them. Um, turtles, you know, anything we could find, we usually brought home. Stray dogs, cats, you know, that was always fun. You know, mom always had that look on her face. What the hell are you bringing now? I,
0: I, this one of the things I, my wife's going to come up in discussion here in the next segment, but that's one of the things i absolutely love about my wife is that she actually is living the childhood dream she is a zookeeper and it's 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 phenomenal to kind of see her to live out you know what you know you dream of as a child and then as an adult here you are i mean so many people say that and i think there are examples of that in this world i don't think it's as i think it's very rare but i don't think it's as rare as maybe that i'm over maybe overstating it but, a little, but i think we all had boyhood dreams that just you know were just outlandish a so, zookeeper okay fantastic dan what about you what I, I, I was corporate executive uh uh was that was that your boyhood dream or or
1: no my boyhood dream I, I i wanted to be an astronaut i wanted to sit on top of a rocket with a giant explosion and go up into space love the idea and uh Turns out I, I don't like flying on crazy air rides, so it would have been a terrible fit. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, practical boyhood dream was to uh, be a doctor, and uh, I'm very happy that um, I have ended in a different direction, where I think you can often be more creative and move faster. So, so two, two questions off of
0: these boyhood dreams here, Dan. So when you were the astronaut, what was the, what was the dream? Was it, was it to go to the moon as men before? Was it to go to Mars and beyond? What was the, what, what astro- what I was, level of astronaut? I,
1: I, I wasn't a, a boy with logic. I was a boy with wonder. And so I was just completely fascinated by space suit, space aircraft. You know, it was, it was just a complete fascination with uh, being in a outer space and you know, it's exciting. I didn't even realize that like only a few people go into outer space, but that it takes a huge team to be able to pull it off. So I, I it was just a sense of wonder.
0: So, and then, so, you, the, so as, as you got a little older, it went to this, 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 uh, you, you called it more logical, the, doctor to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. And you did actually, you, like you said, your, your background is, is biochemistry, right? And yeah, that's right. And, uh, so what was it about biochemistry as opposed to maybe another field that was your entryway into your, you, what your initial entryway into medicine would have been?
1: Well, I was incredibly fortunate. I, li- I lived in a city where they had a teaching hospital for medicine. And so I was able to experience a lot of facets of it. And, you know, when you do your undergraduate work before you get a medical school, you, c- you can go in many different areas. And, uh, I just found that I had, a great interest and a set of skills that that went very well with chemistry and so that that blossomed and i I actually ended up more of a chemist than i would have been a medical doctor it was a lot of fun to to build things that are on the size of molecules so um i'm i'm
0: I'm, science was something of, of of not a foreign concept to me as a child but like i'm 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 just more as I've gotten older and older and went into college and then as I've gotten older as an adult, I'm more and more impressed with people who pursue that field. Th- did you did
1: you go to medical school, Dan, or I did or- not go to medical school, but I did uh, enter a program where I was trained as a bench chemist. Normally, you have to go get a PhD. I was able to go into a research lab and uh, build molecules that we took into subsequent testing in both the kind of human health science side and in the agriculture side.
0: You, you and I are definitely gonna have to have more of a discussion. That's absolutely fascinating. That's, <laughs> that's, that's just really interesting. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if everyone would be as riveted as I am by that discussion. So
1: I, but usually there's like two or three people in the entire stadium watching the Cowboys that are fascinated. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Brad, what about you? What was, what was the
0: boyhood dream? What was it? Was it to father? What was it to follow your father or, you know, was this the dream or was it
3: something else? At, at, at some point it, it definitely was to, to follow my father's footsteps to provide what to my, you know, possible future children, what he's provided to me and my brother. One hundred percent. But that was when I had a little bit better uh, grasp on reality before that it was be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins uh, because we're awful and we've always been awful since I've been born so I think uh I think still now if I was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins we'd be a whole lot better than than we currently are um, I don't know if everyone here is a, is a Cowboys fan or a absolutely fan. not
2: <laughs> nope not here
3: well, oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah all. you're 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 a Packers fan I'm a Packers fan there fan, yes. Mm-hmm. Dan sounded like he was a Cowboys fan, unless I just heard him said no. And then Yeah, I'm ben, not a
1: Cowboys fan. No? What, <laughs> make what that clear. you? But I cheer for them because it's a city I live in, but they're not my right. pick.
3: So who do you cheer for?
1: I, I'm really uh, kind of a bit of a whore. <laughs> I, I cheer for my friends' favorites. I really don't have an opinion.
3: Okay. And then, Ben, who do you got? I'm a Packers fan. Okay. So you guys are lucky. So you guys, you guys wouldn't understand. You guys well, just wouldn't understand. You guys well, have had it too we're, good, we're, too too we're good for luck. too long.
0: Ben, ben and I have, uh, have 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 had the privilege of having Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for uh, forty years of quarterbacking, exactly. and we only have but we only have two Super Bowls to show for it. Um, so I don't know how. And then Tom Brady has you know a Super Bowl every year. So I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're lucky or not. But um, no, you are.
3: Oh, you are. <laughs> oh, trust me, when your team hasn't had one in forty years it's a fair, and, fair assumption and then you also have two superstar quarterbacks back to back and tom brady's in your division you know that you're lucky that's true so that that was the childhood dream is to, to coach the fins make us not look so bad and uh and get us into a, a possible a, a possible super bowl i don't think that'll happen though
0: um so Brad, please. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but you—you you obviously weren't it. around during the undefeated season under Don Shula. But Don Shula was the coach no. for many years. Were you born after, like, right after his tenure, or were you—were you born during his his tenure? Because I can't remember when he retired. He was uh, mid 90s or late 90s.
3: I believe I was born after his tenure. I was born in '95, so I think he stopped coaching in the about that early not ni- in the early 90s yeah. or late, even possibly late 80s. Because I think he stopped
0: around Dan Marino. Yeah, I think he was in the. Yeah, Dan Marino, I think, finished his career uh, outside of Shula. So that's that's. I think that's about right. But uh, but yeah, no. um, Yeah, the Finns have they have definitely had uh, some uh, some bad luck over the years. Uh, um, I think. uh, Yeah, Dan Marino only getting to one Super Bowl is is probably one of the 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 saddest things for one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play for sure. Um i had a similar one to, to to brad i i wanted to play major league baseball um that was that was that was always my dream um i think i was a baseball player for halloween for every year until maybe high school <laughs> so um it was just it was always a dream of mine and it was actually my my uh, all credit to my sister but it was also at the time hearing it from my own sister's mouth very heartbreaking Uh, my sister was the one that brought me back to reality because we always would watch the all-star game, major league all-star game every summer. And every summer I would say the same thing. I'm going to be in that game one day until I don't remember how old I was, um, but it was old enough like to where like my skill level in baseball had kind of hit its peak. Let's just put it that way. And, um, I said that one year and and my sister, my older sister was like, no, you're not. And as a child, it's very heartbreaking, especially to hear it from someone you love dearly. But, you know, she did paint a very realistic picture for me. And it, it actually, at a young age, it got me to rethinking and refocusing a lot of different my energies and stuff, because, you know, I had to really look inside and, you know, say, "Do I have the, you know, Could I have maybe gotten to that level? Maybe if I had applied myself, but at the same, at the time I just wasn't applying myself to the level that those players do. So it was,
3: it's a, it's a, it's a hard. Who'd you want to play for the Yankees?
0: Absolutely not. I would (laughs) have, I would have, I would have paid the Yankees every cent that I had. It wouldn't been much (laughs) to not draft me if I had the choice. Um, Yeah. I, everyone says like, Oh, I'd pay for anyone who, who has the privilege, uh, every draft I, I would have been that one jerk, that one dick that said, I, w- "I will play for anyone but the Yankees." Ken Griffey Jr. actually said that to the Yankees. He actually told the Yankees, "Don't draft me. I will not play for you." So, but it's Ken uh, Griffey uh, Jr. and he—I guess he could say that. So,
3: wherever he wants.
0: And not, yeah, and not come out looking like a jerk because I think he's one of the most uh, celebrated baseball players in the last uh, the last forty years. Um, so, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for. Uh, participating in our second Curveball second year. Again, this is uh, another, what has become probably my favorite segment of the show each week. And that is uh, something that I started on my birthday late last year. And that was focusing on um, the subject of charity and nonprofit work. Mm-hmm. And um, so each week, um, each week I, I asked my guests or guests in this case to select a nonprofit or charity uh, that they would like to feature, um, highlight, and potentially earn money for uh, help, uh, raise funds for. Um, and it's been a wonderful discussion point over episodes. Uh, Brad's already participated in this once before he selected a different charity tonight. Um, so I'm really excited to, to talk to about each and every charity. So, uh, Brad, this is one I will put you on the spot for since you have participated before and you've selected a different one. You went more global last time. Um, Mm -hmm. and, but now you've decided to, uh, to raise awareness and, uh, and interest uh, for a more local charity to you uh, in Broward County, where you uh, are a resident. And that is the Boys and Girls Club. Now the Boys and Girls Club is an actual international organization, but obviously they have many chapters and organizations throughout the, throughout the world. Um, And uh, the whole point of this, I'll I'll let you speak on to why it's personal to you, but the whole point is to serve boys in an uh, under, an underserved communities, around the around the around the globe. And in 1965, a committee of five community members in Fort Lauderdale got together and formed the chapter of Boys and Girls Club of Broward County. And uh and uh it's uh it's been uh, incredibly uh incredibly successful. In fact, in 1990, they were one of the first ones uh to include girls too. So they now it's so Boys and Girls Club uh now uh, at the time, it was just boys when it started in 1965, but it has now become the Boys and Girls Club. So ni- in 1990, they were one of the first chapters to actually incorporate the girls concept of this. And and uh, so young children of Broward County can be served by this incredible organization. So, so, Brad, why um, why did you uh, why did you select the Boys and Girls Club of Brow- uh, Broward County?
3: So first, I, w- I want to say that, Bear, I think, you know, because charity and nonprofits are important to you that you also know that not every charity nonprofit, the money you go to, is maybe not always necessarily going to what it is supposed to benefit. Um, but Boys and Girls Club, Boys and Girls Club, has been known to benefit the children directly, which mainly focuses on education and extracurricular activities uh, for kids that you know may only have you know one parent at home or two that are both working multiple jobs and don't have time. So I think the best way, if you're going to focus on charity is to, you know, do it at, do it at your, your, where you reside, you know, what's local to you and focus on the, the children in your area. And um, so I found the boys and girls club to, um, to do that. And uh, I, I appreciate you adding this component to your, to your shows bear and because i know it means a lot to you and and to that i i thank you for giving us the chance to to highlight you know charities that we want to give to
0: it's my pleasure this has been absolutely sensational so um so the the boys and girls club of uh of broward county um have have you and your family been involved with them for a long time or is this something that you've picked up recently well when no, did it start is- for you
3: no, this is, this is new. Um, I I actually haven't been involved at all, but I've only been recently been told uh, by someone that matters to me, how much the boys and girls club, you know, does matter to two kids and, and how much of an effect they do have on the local community. Um, and that was only a few months ago. So when you asked, you know, Hey guys, what charities do you want to highlight? It was a, it was a no brainer that the boys and girls club is what I wanted to talk about because like I said, it's in my backyard. Why not affect the people that are around me that, that it matters to. So I, yeah, it's, it's important to affect your local community first before you start focusing on almost, you know, like the bigger picture.
0: I, I, I definitely, I definitely couldn't agree more. Your, your, your father, who was on my show a few weeks ago as well, he, he chose uh, he chose the pantry of Broward County uh, as well. So he went local as well. And uh, so it's, it's great to see that uh, the entire family is really pitching locally as well. and, and, uh it's f- f- fantastic and it's a great organization it really has the, the what it does for our children today's youth in this country uh, and specifically in your local community has just been uh, great there's a lot of uh, a lot of you know what we call celebrities famous people who have gone through the boys and girls club program and gone to incredible success the the one that always comes to mind is one of my personal favorite actors denzel washington he was a uh, he was, a, he was a member of the Boys and Girls Club where he grew up and, uh, and, and look what he's become. So it's, it's been great. Thank you. Uh, so if you, uh, I'm gonna be posting other links here in a second, but I did post the link to donate to the Boys and Girls Club of Broward County in the chat. So if you feel called to donate to any of the great organizations mentioned tonight, um, please do. Um, And that that link is in the chat right now. Um, But, uh, but Dan, I'll I'll, I'll move over to you. This was a you you selected your chariot in a very unique way. And I got to participate in this in a in a very interesting way as well. So I wanted to uh, to let you tell the story and then I'll I'll, I'll speak on the charity a little bit because it's a little personal to both of us.
1: Yeah, thank you, Bear. You know, we're involved in charities in multiple ways. Uh, We have Tarrant County in Fort Worth, and then we're actually living or located here in Weatherford, and and we engage in that. And I I really enjoy the, I think Brad was exactly right, with charities, you want to pick something that has impact on individuals. Um, However, when you ask for a charity, uh, I I stepped back and thought, you know, I really also enjoy the, the animals and the love that they provide to our life. And I thought I, w- I would call for help because I knew that your wife was active in the zoo. And my question was, you know, we, we love dogs. Could you help me pick a charity? Because I wanted to make sure it really went for what it was supposed to. And, and your wife uh, surprised me, <laughs> <laughs> which I think you get a lot of at home. Yes. Uh, but she, she picked the uh, painted dog, which is uh, an African dog, and it's almost extinct, in Africa, very close. Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity to, to give to a group where every dollar matters, you know, $10, $20, $100 as they try to conserve these animals that are they're beautiful. They're, they're genetically different than a dog, um, which was kind of an interesting finding. Um, and I just felt like it was kind of fun to support something where the money would go exactly where it should you're helping conserve and preserve a species
0: yeah the um this is a this is a really unique charity and again uh, when when dad uh, when dan uh you know uh, pegged me for some help on this in particular she yeah she took me off guard too dan so don't feel <laughs> don't feel uh don't feel singled out i was like hey you know i posed the question to her and she was like i mean she immediately went to this and i was like well i don't think he was Okay, okay, we'll, we'll roll with it. Um, but the, you're, you're absolutely right. The African painted dog, and I'm gonna share my screen here. Um, um, we're gonna go ahead and do this real quick. I just wanna, for people who don't know uh, what the African painted dog looks like there's a, this is uh this is it. Um, the. Af- these are some of the pups um, in a year, early, young age and everything, but they are very, 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 uh, very, very endangered. I mean, on the verge of extinction. When you think of the continent of africa because this is where african painted dogs obviously harrow from Um, the name gives it away obviously no spoilers there but when you think about um the continent of africa and the amazing wildlife on the continent and how endangered some of these animals are from rhinos to elephants lions and so on you think about like all these you know again these some that i just named and even more the painted dog is actually the most endangered species of animal on the entire continent of Africa and one of the most endangered animals in the entire world. Um, and, you know, a lot of misconception. I asked my my wife earlier, I said, hey, you know, am I just crazy or do people get confused that this might be, that people think that this might be a hyena? And she's like, I don't really know. And, and yeah, that was one of the topics that if you Google, it, it comes up, you know, what's the difference. And there is a, there is a big difference, but this is a, this is an incredible species of, of, of animal that they, they're, they're very family oriented. Um, and because of this family orientation and because of the, you know, the influx of civilization as well as, you know, unlawful poaching, um, you know, they're not able to survive because they're so family oriented and, uh, so the 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 uh, the painted dog conservation uh, does a great job with education, and um, my my wife has, has has worked tirelessly on a lot of different a, do- a lot of different wildlife charities, and and uh, and she also wanted to point out a few others tonight. If you you feel called to just donate to, in general, uh, the WWF, not the World Wrestling Federation, but the World <laughs> Wild, World Wildlife very. Um, wwf is is an incredible organization that you can you can help conservation across the globe across many different species um but this uh, this organization does an incredible work it all goes to conservation um very little very little gets good good gets you know filtered down to any other aspects of of the charity And like brad was saying unfortunately there are a lot of charities out there that they do a lot less charity than you would, than you would like to think. And so this is a, this is a great organization that does some great things. So um, if you, again, if you feel called to donate uh, to any of these organizations, it is in the, the the link is in the chat now for this one as well. And uh, you can, you can definitely uh, check it out. I implore you check out this organization, check out and learn about these, this, this incredible, uh, this incredible animal. It's, uh, it's, it was a learning experience for me too, Dan. So I, 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 I appreciate you being so open and, and, and taking, and taking it on. So thank you for uh, bringing awareness to this tonight. Thank you. Can you all hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. You sound great. All right. Um, My uh, connection got a little disrupted there for a second. So um, um, Ben, I I'm I'm coming over to you next and, and um, you know, ben you and i've had discussion about uh veterans affairs number of times uh you know off air um it's a it's a huge passion of mine my father uh, like you is a united states veteran served honorably in the united states army um you know people think i get fired up about uh, about cigar rights uh cigar rights and uh and my hatred for uh chevy chase Uh, Just bring up veterans affairs and how uh, veterans in this country are treated and how their health care is is absolutely abysmal. And and you'll get me fired up to another uh, to a level you just probably wouldn't imagine. But uh, you chose an incredible organization uh, known as TAPS. And um, TAPS is specifically um, is an abbreviation for. um, Oh, gosh, I lost it. Um, help me out here, Ben. You're, I I don't want to miss a tragedy, word. the uh,
2: assistance program for survivors.
0: Yes, and uh, and this is a this is a charity that goes direct towards caring uh, for not only uh, for veterans but their families specifically, um, and uh, done incredible work over the years, and uh, and their their mission is to provide care and resources um, specifically to the. Grieving, uh, grieving of the death of a military loved one. So this is for our fallen heroes, but for the people who supported them most here at home, and that's their families. Um, so Ben, you're obviously probably tied pretty close to this because of your background in the, in the military. But why specifically this organization? And talk a little bit about this.
2: Um, well, my family's a Gold Star family. Uh, if people who don't know what a Gold Star family is, the Gold Star family is a family who's lost somebody uh, in in you know the line of duty. Uh, 2007, my brother-in-law was killed in uh, Iraq. Um, So my sister uh, became a Gold Star wife, uh, and she was, you know, this this program really reached out to her, and she was a a big participant into it. But um, it's the work that they do for the kids, especially of those service members who whose families, uh, you know, sadly perish in the line of duty. Um, you know, they, they tried a lot of resources for the, for these kids. They try to, and you can never fill that void of losing a parent, but, uh, they, like I said, they, they try to extend a whole bunch of resources for them to kind of cope with, you know, they do counseling for them. They take them on trips, um, all those other kind of, uh, some other extracurricular activities outside of, uh, uh but, uh, it, it, it just something that really touched me. It was a personal thing with me, like, you know, my family has been touched by it. You know, we've been, we've been affected by it, by this. Um, and I've seen the good things that they've done. You know, um, I've seen the work that my sister, uh, participating in it as a volunteer herself, um, as a, as a gold star, uh, wife, participating in the help other gold star families, uh, and then the the children. Um, and it's something that I guess sometimes we, we overlook, right? Like, uh, we concentrate on, 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 the death of that service member and it sucks but the consequences of that back home to those families and what they have to go through sometimes gets forgotten about you know um so this, this program really kind of brings that back a little bit um and, and puts that focus back on that family because that's something they have to deal with for the rest of their lives um it's a, it's a life-changing event um and the, the the work that they do for for these kids i think is just really incredible
0: so Ben, the great thing about TAPS is very similar to Brad's charity with Boys and Girls Club. There's a lot of what uh, you, it's an unfortunate alumni to be a part of, but many of the alumni like your sister, for example, who've been the uh, recipient of the, the incredible benefits of TAPS uh, have go have come back to to volunteer and to give back to the program, not just dollars and cents, but actually uh, counsel, perspective, help, healing. Um that was one of the things that i learned about this organization and i think I, I i mean what a what a phenomenal gift that your sister has probably given to so many families um she's been there she understands the pain she understands the loss and and yet she she's still giving herself back to these people so that she can give them some of the light that she ex- herself experienced
2: yeah it really becomes a community right uh like you said it's not really something you wish anybody to be a part of, but, you know, it's taking those negatives and trying to create, create some kind of positives out of it. Right. And, and kind of showing that to, you know, some, you know, these kids and, and giving them some kind of light, some kind of hope, you know, um, it's, it's a tough thing to go through as a family, you know, you know, family members, it's, it's an emotional thing for me being in the service. I've had friends, you know, who have unfortunately didn't make it home, you know, and thinking about their families, uh, what they have to go through with it. Um, it's just, it's good that there's a program like this out there, like you said, like you just said, people, you know, and it's not something that they just, it's an they, they, people stay a part of it for years to come, you know, um, so that it creates a really awesome, uh, long lasting support structure, uh, for these, for these families.
0: Absolutely, and can uh, thank you enough uh, for uh, uh, suggesting this uh, organization tonight. Um, so all all three links to donate to these charities are in the chat now, everybody. And and if uh, feel called, please consider donating to 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 one to three to any, and every little bit counts. And um, you know, as 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 I've done every week, my wife and I have have pledged when we started this project. My wife and I have pledged. A small donation to each charity that has been brought up uh, this year, and will continue for the rest of the year. So, um, so I'm really excited to 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 contribute to all three of these great organizations, and uh, in uh, in all three of y'all y'all's honor tonight, we'll be donating later uh, in each of y'all's name uh, to these incredible organizations. And I just I, again thank you, gentlemen, for for your heart and for you know bringing these incredible organizations to uh, to the discussion tonight. So thank you. Appreciate it, Bear. Thanks, Bear. You no, know, I, I grew up in West Texas, and they always said the winds of West Texas were pretty violent, but uh, Ben's not in West Texas right now, but those, those winds are whipping through you right now. Are they cutting through you as bad as it sounds?
2: Uh, I mean, it's sometimes it does. I mean, it comes in gusts. It comes in gusts.
0: Uh, appreciate you, appreciate you sticking it out. So got a few more questions uh, before we wrap up the night, gentlemen, and, and again, thank you so much for participating uh, in tonight's show. But uh, as we kind of reflect back on 2020 and the the COVID era, it also brings about some questions. Now the, uh I think we can all agree that the light is definitely now at the end of the tunnel with the news of the vaccine and so many people getting vaccinated, communities opening back up as we alluded to earlier and things like that. Um, and so i've been asking my guests um each week what you know with you know again with the light of the end of the tunnel we're certainly not certainly not over <laughs> hopefully we don't really have a reunion of next year <laughs> hopefully it's a different type of reunion but hopefully we don't have a reunion next year talking about going through another year of, of the like the year we went through this past year but um what are what are some of the things that you have again Brad, we talked about how Florida's kind of been normal for a while, but what are some of the things that, that you've enjoyed, uh, getting back to or are looking forward to most about things going back to, you know, f- for lack of a better term,
3: normal. Uh, it's, it's the traveling aspect. Um, I mean, I, I just got back from Pittsburgh and like I said, it, it, everything seemed, you know, like things were back to normal. Um, but I enjoyed it so much. The people, you know, I, I almost forgot how, how friendly people were. Um, you know, I had people offering me, you know, drinks and asking about myself and I'm learning about them. Uh, so just a chance to get back out on the road, you know, enjoy cigars with people, see retailers, consumers and just get back into the swing of, of the industry. I mean, we got the best people in the entire industry. Um, you know, I, I don't know Ben or Dan so well, but you know, just being on there, I'm here with them. Uh, I, I think if we met in person, we'd all be pretty good friends. So, um, you know, we have a wonderful industry and, and I'm just looking forward to get kind of just getting back to work and, uh, and seeing, seeing some friendly faces again.
0: Absolutely. I think the you know the I I in uh, I was doing I was running a test for tonight's show because uh, Zoom has changed some things up a little bit on their uh, their their sharing aspect and so I did a posted a video earlier today on the page and just kind of ran a test but it was promoting tonight's show and everything and one of the things I teased was I'm going to I'm going to suggest that we retire a term or a word because I think we're all tired of hearing it. And that's the word unprecedented. So I would like to make a declaration tonight that Maybe we stop using that word. How do you all feel about
1: that? I agree.
3: Sounds good.
1: Dan, what do you think? I think that you're right on the money. There's always going to be hard times and there's going to be great times. The good news is we get to do it together. 100%. So, Dan, what, what are you looking forward to uh, most? Have you thought about it? I think at a business level, I, I'm excited that our sellers are able to go engage with customers. You know, I know that's what they love to do. And I certainly miss being able to get out and meet them. You know, Al McAuliffe, 78 and just finished a 4,400 mile road trip across the East Coast visiting customers. And so we're excited to be able to do things like that again. You know, and on a personal side, you know, my wife and I, we're ready for a vacation. We want to go somewhere and just enjoy each other.
0: Absolutely. Um, uh, last year, as you guys may or may not remember, on last year's show, my wife and I celebrated our 10th anniversary. So we've now celebrated our 11th anniversary. We had a 10th anniversary trip planned, which we still have not taken. That is something that I am definitely looking forward to the most. Uh, but to travel certainly is uh, at the top of my list uh, as well, Brad. So, um, um, Ben, what about you? What are, what are, what aspects are you looking forward to most?
2: Of course, I'm you know excited get out on the road again, you know, do events, go see shops and, and, you know, fun parts of part of this, but on a personal level, I think, you know, I'm just really excited just to get back on the factory, um, and get back in there and put my hands on tobacco again, you know, and, and, and let that creative, those creative juices start flowing. You know, that's one of That's one of my, me personally, it's like my Zen spot that's where I, I feel like I come alive is just, Hands-on tobacco, smoking a tobacco, and creating—you know—it's—it's um, it's, it's my personal enjoyment.
0: Absolutely, I, I'm I'm excited to see what comes uh, from all three of y'all uh, in the next uh, in the next uh, months and years uh, for sure. After uh, after all this, but uh, Dan, I'm going to come back to you on this next question. So, um, you know, 2020 um, before the COVID era, quote unquote, started, uh, it was already part of the uh, you. McAuliffe had already declared that they were not going to be participating in that year's trade show. Of course, nobody did because the trade show was canceled. Um, But for all intents and purposes, it seems like the trade show, uh, the PCA trade show and TPE are also going forward this year. Um, um, They haven't PCA, I don't believe is officially announced, uh, but I think there might still be restricted because of contract talks. But I think I mean, for all from all words that we're hearing, it is a go. Um, And um, so it looks like we are going to return to some of that. Uh from what we were talking about earlier it's still it's still uh it's still Macau's decision to not participate in any trade shows this year. Um is that was that was that part of I know that was part of the plan for 2020. Was that a continuation of 2021 before all this happened or are you guys continuing the decision from from because of last year and everything that it involved?
1: Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. You know, one of the things that that I like to clarify is that we're pro PCA and we want them to be successful in the missions where they're representing us and the retailers and the legislative fights and the other activities they do just where we are as a company. It, it was bad timing for us to plan to attend a trade show last year. We were actually reworking. Andy was building his new sales team this year. is a. It was a pretty much a no brainer for us to continue engaging with our retailers as much as we can. You know, next year's a possibility. I don't know the answer to that. As we get further into the year, probably the fourth quarter, and we look at what we accomplished and what we set out to do, then we'll make a decision for next year. You know, it's, it's definitely not an anti-trade show. I mean, we love those things. They're fun. But we want to make sure that some of the other ambitious programs that we're launching, like our conversation with women and the Cigar Journal, that we're able to do those precisely. And you can't do everything at the same time.
0: It's, it's kind of a war on multiple fronts, right? And you guys have to pick and choose sometimes the, the battle the which you want to wage to, to kind of stick with that
1: metaphor, right? Yeah, we all, we all have those challenges. You know, McAuliffe, we feel like we can accomplish anything with our partners. Um, however, we just can't do it at the same time. And so part of uh, building a likelihood of success is choosing what things you're going to do which year. Uh, and hopefully you sequence them in the right order. And, you know, we we miss the trade show because we miss being with the people. Uh, but it's definitely serving us well to work closely with our retailers with a larger sales team.
0: So, so Dan, you bring about an interesting question about the uh, the aspect of being pro-PCA and everything. Now, there are a lot of retailers in this country that are very, we'll use the term, gung-ho PCA. And if you're not a member of that organization or if you don't appear to be supporting them, they're they, they give some hard, they've been known to give some hard pushback. (laughs) How has that, how has the reception been for McAuliffe as you have these hard conversations with them?
1: Well, I think, I, I don't think that they're actually hard. You know, we just have to separate quickly that we support the PCA. We need them to be successful for our industry. You know, they're the easiest people in the world to say that, you know, they didn't do this or that. Anytime you run an organization and have the ambitious goals that the PCA has, there are some stores and, you know, we just engage openly about what our plans are. You know, and most people, when they hear that we're a small family-owned business, just like other family-owned businesses, you have to make choices. And, um, you know, we're active members. We, we, We definitely want to be able to contribute in different ways to PCA, but the trade show just isn't the one for us. This year, as, as we've invested in other
0: areas. And you bring about a certain thing that we uh, a certain a certain subject that was uh, the subject of a show of mine a few weeks ago when we had uh, your colleague Amanda McCallif on my show. We were talking about women in the industry, and this is a very concerted effort by McCallif Cigars to specifically focus on because, like it or not, uh, you know, well, like it or not. W- the truth of the matter is is that women play a, a enormous role in this industry from 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 seed to shelf there're in, an incredible amount of women while this is viewed as a male dominated industry or a, or a man's profession or a male profession women do dominate the workforce in fact dan you were telling me a, a great statistic a very large portion of the, what makes McAuliffe Family Cigars, the company, the, your
1: employees is an overwhelming percentage are women. We're, we're almost 50-50. And the factory actually leads the way. We have more women who, who play critical roles for us. And, you know, Ben and Brad, they, they actually have a similar situation because of the, the skill set that the ladies play in the factory. Um, so Behind the scenes, there's a huge women's presence. What was surprising to me, and it was just my ignorance, I, sh- I should have been more thoughtful. We we compiled a list of all the ladies that own or manage or are tobacconists at the stores that are authorized de- retailers. And we were blown away at the size of that list. It was nearly, um, I think it was about 26, 27% of our retail stores had a woman in a leadership role. And I think that's often not discussed um, for, for not a negative reason, just because there's just not that awareness. But as an industry for us to be successful, w- women are just like us and men, they, they love good quality products. And so we've, we've put a, a focus or an area on how do we have that conversation, you know, and it was our choice to, to build a journal and self publish it so that as they began their smoking journey, um, They'd have some information that, you know, all of us struggled through when we started. It's, it's been so long, we forgot. But we actually just kind of went back to the basics and said, how can we help um, ladies who are starting to smoke cigars? And we love them and we want more of them. Amen. So, uh, Ben, what about
0: you? The, going back to the PCA. Um, so, uh, Dissident will not be at uh, TPE um this year um but you are planning on participating in pca i don't want to i don't want to over over uh step on any toes here
2: is that correct as it stands yeah now yeah um uh yeah we're over Negra brands as a whole will not be going to tpe um this year uh pca uh as far as, it, as 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 far as we know right now it's a go uh we'll we'll be in attendance uh that subject change Possibly, um, you know, just like anything else. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I've always been supportive of PCA, always been supportive of Trade Show, always believe that uh, this industry needs those kind of components. So, uh, you know, we haven't kind of changed that stance. Uh, I think, you know, this past year we've seen a lot of positives come of that partnership um, and, and, and the good work that PCA is doing. Um, and, you know, we have more challenges ahead, Coming up, you know, with with legislation and stuff as like that uh, as well. So, yeah, um, like I said, as it stands now, uh, we'll see what happens. And you know, if there's a trade show, you know, we're we're, 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 we're I'm me personally, I'm wanting to know how this is going to, of course, like everybody, how's going to roll out. You know, what kind of restrictions and all that kind of thing, to know how to maneuver it and how to uh, um, be a, be as effective as we can with it. I think uh, a lot of brands, a lot of retailers. Have those same concerns. It's definitely going to be an interesting show this year because of uh, you know these restrictions uh, that the state of Nevada or, or uh, Clark County will be imposing. Um, uh, like I said before, uh, we'll we'll just have to see see how it goes. Uh, we're looking forward to it. You know, one things to get back to normal again. What you know, we love the trade show. It's one of those times of the year where we get to see retailers we don't normally get to see on a normal basis. Um, and uh, we forward to another successful one
0: was were you all slated to participate in TP and
2: decided to not go through with it or yeah yeah we were slated to uh, participate in it but uh you know about two months ago uh, we had you know kind of came a well, month and a half ago kind of came to the uh mindset that we're not we're not gonna go do that one uh, this year um just because of there's still you know, the time of year the restrictions that are still in place and and just the timeline as well that uh, the state of Nevada is you know handing over uh, those the authority back over to counties just it was just too uh, too close of a time frame for us
0: I don't want you I'm not I don't want you to necessarily speculate, and I would hate for us to, you know, expect the worst or anything here, Ben. But w- I mean, what kind of scenario are we looking at where where you would opt to not participate in this year's PCA? Is, is there a specific catalytic event that would happen uh, to prevent that, or is it is it just uh, you're just being very patient in a wait and see approach? Like, what what's the what's the mindset there?
2: Um, it's mostly more a patient, you know, wait and see kind of thing. Because uh, you know, when you're getting. When you're getting governments, you know, regulations involved in something, you know, like this, it's unpredictable, right? You know, uh, we don't know what what it's going to look like. Ultimately, at the end of the day, how this convention, how 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 any kind of trade show, any kind of convention is going to play out in in uh, Las Vegas because of what that state has going on currently. Um, you know, I guess it would just all depend on what that's going to look like. You know, uh, how do you? Can you have a successful, what's the extent that you can have a, a successful trade show uh, with, you know, certain restrictions, right? Like, are, are these, you know, how, how extreme are those, how
0: are those restrictions going to be? No, it makes sense. Brad, your you're, you're, your father has been a very outspoken supporter of the PCA uh, and and obviously with Fort that Alec Bradley is, is has followed suit with that, obviously with him being the, the head of the company. Um, but um, as far as Alec and Bradley is concerned, um, uh, will you be attending uh, TPE and PCA or what's the, what's the plan for your company?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, we really see Alec and Bradley as a, you know, under the umbrella of Alec Bradley. So if Alec Bradley is going to the to TPE, we're going to TPE. If if Alec Bradley is going to the trade show, we're going to the trade show. Um, because we see ourselves as, you know, basically the same brand, but just a little bit different um, because Alec and I are are kind of running the show. Um, but, you know, we've I think my father supported, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it for 25 years or our TDA, IPCPR, PCA. I don't I'm sure there's probably another name or two in there and Barry <laughs> might be able to. To add to those that, are the those are the last three. So <laughs> those are the those are the three that I remember. Um, so we'll we'll support PCA. We'll continue to support PCA, um, and we will also be at TPE this year as well.
0: Terrific. Um, the I mean, is the is the is the plan going to be traditional, where there's going to be a a release or two? Um, uh, going to be released or announced at the show or prior to the show, or are you guys looking at it uh, from a different uh, lens because of, because of the last year and its
3: events? We're, we're definitely looking at it through a different lens because um, and it, it has really nothing to do with the show. It has more to do with Alec Bradley because we're, you know, during this time of COVID we're figuring out our own changes within our own operation. So we're looking more, inside of ourselves and how do we get better and become more efficient and change to, you know, prolong the, uh, the, link, the longevity of, of Alec Bradley. Um, so it, it really has nothing to do with, with COVID or the trade show, but COVID has given us the chance to, um, you know, reevaluate, stop, figure out, you know, how can we get better during this time where we actually have an opportunity to evaluate ourselves instead of during the normal time where you're always trying to come out with new releases and people are expecting new releases. So <clears throat> this at least gives us that opportunity to, you know, figure things out and take our time doing so. So nothing's rushed.
0: Terrific gentlemen. This is my last question uh, prior. This is going to be my last question of the night. Um, but before that, I always take this time to, to thank my guests or guests in this case uh, for their wonderful commitment to the show and, um, gentlemen, I can't, uh, I can't believe it. Uh, We actually went like a little over two hours last last year, we've gone over three this year. um, And I have really enjoyed the discussion. I can't, uh, I can't thank you all enough Sunday, despite COVID and everything Sunday is still family time. Uh, So for you all to take a time out from family um, to sit down with me again. Uh, and have a an, another amazing conversation. And, and, and this time, I, I just I, I can't thank you all enough. So uh, Ben, Brad, Dan, uh, it means the world to me. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I truly mean it. And I truly thank you very much for your time tonight. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Bear. Thank you so much.
0: So, gentlemen, the la- I told you guys we did the three curveball segments last year. We're doing three curveball segments this year. As always, we end the show with a curveball question, which, again, is sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco & Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park six consecutive years in the consensus top three. So I was inspired by this week's question uh, by the fact that I actually had conversations throughout the year with all three of you and whether you remember them or not it does not matter to me uh there's no ego here but i i give all we actually had conversations where i gave all three of you an idea to maybe pursue when it came to your cigar your respective cigar companies uh and i'm not asking you to try and remember that like i said there's no ego here or anything but i'm sure i was not the only person to whether it was in your team or outside i'm thinking of mostly outside the company to give you guys Ideas of what the next step should be for Dissident or Alec and Bradley or McAuliffe Cigars. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you're, uh, there's no shortage of opinions that get thrown your way. So or ideas. So um, today's question, today's last curveball question, is not what the best idea was, but I'm going to let you choose. What was the craziest idea that you heard, or what was the worst idea you heard? And um, you know, out of respect for whoever gave you the worst idea, you don't have to mention any names or anything like that, but I thought it'd be entertaining to explore some of the crazy ideas that were thrown our way, just because I'm sure this has happened outside of COVID as well. This wasn't unique to 2020. I'm sure you guys get, again, get a lot of stuff thrown your way. So what was the craziest or worst idea that you heard in 2020 when it came to your respective companies? That's a
2: good question.
0: I'm not putting yeah. anyone on the spot. Someone's got to volunteer on this one.
1: Cause I, cause I already I'm going to step up before. and get it out of the way. All right. You know, we're, we're in conversation all the time with our ambassador community. And I, th- I think that that has really helped us get in tune with each other. And I probably heard more crazy ideas in 2019 than I did in COVID. Um, it was actually not to dismiss your question, but it was a very productive year in the ideas that came to us. You know, people were were thoughtful in how we approach things, and um, you know, there's there's a few crazy ideas, and it's usually a conversation like, "Hey, could you build this cigar for this shop, or could you do this or that?" And you know, we're just in a position where we really have to focus on our core portfolio, so I'm not able to do that, um, but it really, I didn't get a lot of crazy ideas, believe it or not. One of the things that I love about
0: all three of you gentlemen is that you three are probably some of the most positive people in the industry. And this, this industry is chock full of positive people. It really is. I'm not blowing smoke here. Uh, but I, 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 I kind of, I honestly kind of expected the answer, Dan. Uh, but I, I, I love, I love the positivity and I love, I love, how you you specifically Dan Thompson have have a way of taking taking everything from criticism to praise and looking at it from a very subjective lens and 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 using that to propel to propel you know the company forward i i've just something <laughs> i've always admired about you sincerely
1: well, well thank you if you want the one specific one that made me laugh the most and Ben and Brad get ready for this <laughs> We, we had a, a run of production where we forgot to put foot bands on the product. And, you know, the product's exactly correct. Um, but we know how old it is because of when we made that mistake with that lot of product. And we, uh, we sold those as four or five-year-old cigars, which they were, because they didn't have a foot band on them. So we, it was very easy to see what lot they came out of. And I, and I had somebody come to me and ask me, what other intentional mistakes can we make so that we have special cigars? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we work really hard not to do stuff, like that, you know, but we're not going to have a planning success planning session on intentional mistakes that we can make.
0: <laughs> That's great. Make Maybe more mistakes. Can... That's the lesson of 2020. Make more mistakes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you get old, I mean, Whenever you're out, you know, talking to people, they always give in your, you know, their ideas of what you should do. You know, what brand you, should, you know, should do this with your brand. You should do this with a cigar. You should do this, and it's like, you know, it's not always doesn't always work that way on this side of things. You know, there's other, you know, complications and limits that you know arise that whether that might be a good idea, just not going to be able to come to fruition because of those other limits. You know, um, but yeah, I. I some of them are crazy and cockamamie and other ones like that would be cool but impossible
0: do any come to mind specifically ben crazy uh, or crazy or terrible ideas
2: i mean you just have people you know different names and ways you know branding ideas and stuff like that you know that just wouldn't make sense to do in this industry maybe in other industries that might work but you know, you know naming certain things you know out of
1: you
2: know, male or female appendages, uh, probably not a smart thing to do <laughs> in
0: this industry. Until you said that last part, out. Ben, I was like, Ben's trying really hard not to name, not to name my idea right here. This is, oh, this no, is, not this yours. Big. No, no. Is, uh, <laughs> <another one. laughs> no, it wasn't. As soon as you said male or female appendages, I was like, well, that wasn't me. So fantastic.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Brad, what about you? Um, so I'll give two I'll give something specific and then something that a lot of people say. So one message that I got on Instagram was from a nurse and he said that we should come out with a line uh, of cigars for nurses, like, and not like because of the pandemic or anything, but just because of nurses who may like cigars. And I, like I appreciate how much he liked cigars and thought that would be a cool idea, but I just don't think that the appeal for nurse-themed cigars may be as broad as he may think. So, um, very so niche. So very very niche. I don't think most people in the uh, in the in hospitals or, or any sort of healthcare are probably big big cigar smokers. So that was something that I just like kind of had to rule out as like a, I don't think that's, that's going to happen anytime soon and then uh, the number one advice given by most cigar nerds uh, is to come out with X cigar in a Lancero oh, yeah. <laughs> and get that, yeah.
2: while,
3: while I would absolutely love to do that with every cigar that we make it does just not make sense and it's unfortunate uh, but it's just, it can happen. <laughs> I wish it could happen. I uh, bear. I know you would love that to happen. Of course. Um, I'm one of those people, but I understand it's, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that people just don't smoke Lanceros and I'm sure all four of us on here would love to smoke more Lanceros.
0: Yep. Um, not, not to, not to bash on my colleague, uh, how about that cigar, but Garrett Robinson of how about that cigar is a huge Lancero nerd too. Sean Miles is a big fan of this show. Uh, I think he's tuning in as well as a big, uh, He's a big Lancero nut too. And, uh, I stopped asking that question a long time ago. Uh, when's your next Lancero coming out? Just cause I understand the economic, as much as I love them, I understand the economics and, uh, of it. And, uh, uh these are businesses, gentlemen, we have to, we have to run the successful business on, and, uh despite, the the, the niche popularity of Lanceros, they're uh, overwhelmingly, they are, they are a difficult product to push, which is the re- yeah. unfortunate reality because they are tremendous, um, when done right. So, um, Um, feel fantastic. None of you mentioned my idea, so I feel good that I was not the worst or craziest idea. This is fantastic. Although I think the, the idea, I'm going to throw it out there, Brad. I think the idea of the nightingale as a, as a cigar for nurses, I mean, let's just put it out there. I mean, I think that's a stellar name. That is a good name. see, he
3: didn't bring that up. So I wouldn't have known that he didn't ask me. (laughs) Exactly. He should mess. He should be messaging you, messaging you to message me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Then I could be the conduit for his, uh, for, for some silly ideas and then my idea would get brought up on in questions like these. So there you go. <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's been a absolute thrill. I cannot, again, I cannot thank you enough, uh, committing, uh, over three hours of your time on a Sunday evening. I know work is coming early for all of us tomorrow morning. Um, really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. Um, Brad, I I know that uh, your girlfriend's probably wondering when the heck you're going to get off. Dan, I know your wife's wondering when you're going to go home. Ben's just trying to get out of the wind uh, at this point, but I I cannot thank any of all of you any uh, more than I already have. It's it's just been incredible to have you guys on. What a wonderful revisit of this initial subject that was kind of done on a whim. It really was. And 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 Brad, you were you were there for the light bulb moment, and uh, and you helped bring this together. Um, ben and dan i can't thank you enough for dan dan was initially the. i felt terrible he was initially the consolation prize we were going to have andy on uh andy afi <laughs> his national sales manager and of course andy you know foolishly wanted to speaking of family wanted to celebrate his wife's birthday good god gosh darn him um
1: <laughs> we celebrated but, uh, it last week <laughs> yes we celebrated
0: last week and uh and but we were lucky to have andy on and yourself uh, back a few takes ago as well so I'm excited to have y'all gentlemen back again. Hopefully not again, uh, a year from now uh, to celebrate or to look back on another year of COVID. Uh, Hopefully next year's panel will be a little bit different of a discussion, Um, but it's been tremendous. Thank you all so much. I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. So for everyone out there, our audience for tuning in and staying with us all night long, do appreciate you. If you are a fan of this show, be sure to check out our Facebook page, Fumar, for upcoming guests as well as uh, previous takes as well. Please check out the amazing charities that our gentleman uh, checked out, uh, uh, brought to our attention tonight, TAPS, the Boys and Girls Club of Broward County, and of course the Painted Dog Conservation. All the links are in the chat. Please consider donating tonight. Uh, really do appreciate you guys for bringing those up. And if you are listening to this wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple uh, Podcast, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, uh, Google Play, or iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you download, subscribe, and review. Do me a favor, unsubscribe if you already are a subscriber. Just don't forget to hit the resubscribe button because that actually helps my numbers so I can continue to get great guests like the gentleman tonight. We do appreciate everyone for their likes, shares, and comments. Continue to have them. Have a great week, everyone, from uh, the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Uless, Texas. I'm Bear Plissey. This was our 165th take. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.